Thank you for tuning in to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please subscribe to our weekly Boston Bruins Hockey Talk on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, and Spotify Podcasts. We'd certainly appreciate it if you give us show a five-star rating along with a written review. You can also subscribe to our official YouTube channel for a video version of our weekly program. If you'd like to support our show financially, please go to our blackandgoldhockey.com website and click on our affiliated fanatics banner before shopping online another way to financially support our weekly program is to become a patreon member to be eligible for weekly boston hockey prizes and monthly boston bruins hand signed jersey giveaways please go to patreon.com slash black and gold hockey podcast and donate just one dollar per episode many thanks for the continued support and enjoy the show What's up, Boston Bruins fans? Welcome to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast live stream. We have uh, co-host Kevin O'Keefe with us and special guest Dom Tiano. What is up, gentlemen? Oh, not too much. So sorry, Dom. I have the uh, conference champions ones here from the uh, <laughs> that, 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 2013. That'll work, too. That'll work, too. I'll go grab my division championship. How's that? And we'll just have the whole series sure, all taken well, care of. We've we got go. it all covered then. <laughs> all right. We got some people coming into the stream now. Thank you very much for tuning in. We truly appreciate it. Agenda free session going on here. Just talking to Boston Bruins with some good friends. Please uh, make use of the live chat and uh, ask us a, ask Bruins related questions from the NHL level to the prospects worldwide. Um, we're here to have a lot of fun. I know I'm going to have a couple of drinks and enjoy. So um, where do we want to get started? I, I quickly want to get started on what's that tattoo there on your uh, left arm? This one? You got, yeah. Well, the one further up, I was saying. Oh, look Stanley at that, huh? Oh, Stanley. Yeah. I got my first Stanley Cup in 2015, so I had to get a tattoo. And then this there one is go. just. Nice. Packed I like job, the cup one. I got my yeah. Hold on. <laughs> I got my Bruins. Nice. Age. See, there you go. There, there you is. go. Even my seventy-year-old father got a Bruins tattoo. I'll I'll, I'll <laughs> keep my tattoos hidden. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Tom's, Tom's got a Stanley Cup 
uh, uh, tramp stamp right there on his uh, yeah, that's <laughs> his lower back. <laughs> I, I gotta ask, Kevin, is that Dougie Hamilton jersey there? Sure is. Uh, awesome. I bought it uh, two months before he got traded. Good for you. That was one money well spent, eh? Absolutely. And it's hanging on my wall where Good it's going to stay you. until I get a better away jersey to put there. <laughs> All right. Um, so what is up? Anybody got any questions in the chat? Feel free. Um, I don't know where I where I want to go. I think we should start talking about last night's game just to start off here because, um, you know, it's recent. Something that just happened. And um, I don't know. I mean – it feels like a step back from the Colorado game for me. Totally. Oh, you're talking about the Thursday game, right? Um, uh, uh, yes, yes. Sorry, not yeah. last okay. night's game. Night yeah, I was like, did shit. I miss, did I miss a game? <laughs> I just, yeah, the Seattle game, we'll call it that. I was like, in one of the eight games, uh, the Bruins prospect games that I was watching, did I happen to miss the the uh, the Boston Bruins? <laughs> um, yeah, I, you see, I thought the Seattle game was going to be – more of a a Bruins type of game, especially after the statement game on uh, on Monday, beating Colorado, like you mentioned. Um, but two days rest too. That's that's tough. But you know, I think it's going to get a little harder for them on this road trip as they come into tonight. They play in the San Jose Sharks at 10 p.m. They'll have a day off on the 27th, and then they go right to a double header um, with the LA Kings on Monday, and then Tuesday night. So. Um, I thought that 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 Seattle game, the first game on this road trip, would be the more important game, the more explosive game to get yourself ready for this road trip. Because it's not, in my opinion, I don't know about San Jose, but I know L.A. and uh, Anaheim are going to give us a, a quite a challenge. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Mm. And it, it goes back to what we discussed in the podcast earlier in the week. They're playing down to the opposition's level, and, and they can't be doing this. They can't. I like uh, positioning now is really, really important, and where they end up could be the difference between facing Florida, Tampa, or Carolina in the first round. And you guys know my feelings on which one I I'd want to face. Mm-hmm. Yep, me too. I think we discussed that in the podcast. Yep. Um, I'd much rather play a team like Florida. Um, it's just a better matchup for the Boston Bruins, in my opinion. Absolutely. Hey, we got one question already. Paul Fred. this guy comes in here all the time. What do you think about the prospect kid from Arizona? Dom, you want to touch on this one? Um, yeah, well, we're talking about Callahan, right? Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Um, first of all, they got to sign him. Um, you know, so giving away a second round draft pick for, or seventh round draft pick in 2024 is no big cause, but, uh, you know, they have to sign him. Uh, he's not going to be a Tory Krug, uh, guy that, that comes in. Uh, he's not that type of player. He, he will max out as a bottom pairing defenseman who can transition the puck, um, play a little bit physical. I think his skating and his, Stick work allow him defensively to keep players to the outside. Uh, he's good at breaking up the rush, but don't expect anything too much out of him. That's about what he's going to max out as. Right. Yep. And no, uh, I agree. Dom, just to uh, follow up on that, when does the when's the date that he has to sign by? 
August 15th. Okay. Thank you very much, Palmer. I hope the, hopefully that helps your question. Um, yeah, I, I, for me, that it's a middle depth signing. I hope it's going to be a better project than it has, than it was with Wiley Sherman and currently with Nick Wolf. I, I'm not sure. I, about I think Nick. it will be Mark. I think yeah. it will be, uh, but you know, Wait until Adam McQuaid gets to play with or work with him for a bit. Uh, you know, the coaching staff down in Providence. Um, but first and foremost, they got to sign him. I, I think I think they will. But uh, if he chooses to go to free agency, uh, a seventh round, round draft pick three drafts away is no big cost. I'm just tweeting yep. this out. I'm not, I'm not ignoring you guys. Yep, yep. I was about to do the same, actually. That's funny. <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, I mean, I've seen some people who are were hopeful that he could maybe, um, you know, end up as a top four guy. But that's something that you can't really expect, especially when you're taking a guy who was picked originally in, the, was it the fifth round? Yep. Yep, he was originally picked in the fifth round. I mean, you can't really have that high of expectations. Just kind of hope for the best with the with a project player like that. Um, you know, but when it comes to Tory Krug, because I remember you mentioned him, um, what what did we think that we had in Tory Krug before he came up and did what he did? Well, um, he was rushed. Uh, uh, the, the the year before the Bruins signed Tory Krug, they tried to grab a, an additional seventh round pick to draft him. Their intention was to draft Tory Krug. And that's why they wanted an extra seventh round pick. Uh, I forget who they ended up picking, but they couldn't get that extra seventh round pick. So, um, you know, we we knew Krug has some offensive potential. We didn't think he would come out and turn out to be as good as he was. But mm -hmm. uh, Callahan's not at that level. Right. Not at that level. Yeah. Especially offensively, like you're saying there. No. Um, now, there... You know, I'm currently putting a list together of uh, of what will be unrestricted free agent uh, uh, college players now that the season's about to end. And, you know, there's a couple of guys that are worth looking at. And then there are those that may decide to turn pro who haven't been drafted that are that are also available. So, I mean, I'm not going to give out names now because... It's a long, long list, but I'm going to put something together and and be, because we know the Bruins will be active in this. And and here's an interesting stat for you, just at how successful the Bruins are. Since 2012, when they signed Tory Krug, they have been by far the most successful team in the NHL when it comes to games played by undrafted NCAA free agents, more than twice as many games played than the second place team. Hmm. And guess who's second? Guess who second is? You'll never believe it. Um, Arizona, Buffalo. Oh, I was close. <laughs> I was close. You were close. <laughs> I was so close. So you know. Um, Tia Seddon um, uh, did a, I, I don't want to call it a survey, but they did a roster breakdown of last season uh, to determine where most of the players come. Now, obviously, 
number one was first round draft picks. Number two was second round draft picks. And number three was undrafted, unrestricted free agent signings. Yeah. I, I, by the way, speaking of those, uh, Tom, uh, there seems I don't have cap friendly up because that website seems to really screw my computer up for somehow. Um, but I do want to ask you, I believe there are six free um, contract signings that the Boston Bruins can go before they reach the 50. Do you believe uh, that? Do you believe that some of those could be uh, are, are being reserved for the free agency when college is over? Oh, yeah, definitely. Donnie okay. Sweeney always leaves himself room for that. Yeah. All right. We got some more people popping in the comments there. Absolutely. We got Trevor Harston, who was a constant a visitor to our program. Thank you, Trevor, for tuning in, highlighting this one. This is Karen Toop. She's been around for a long time, a year, a subscriber for a year. We truly appreciate your um, contributions, your support, everything that you do. And Angie, Angie's like, I can't, I can't comment in the live Facebook. I saw your comment. So ask away if you have any questions, because we see them. Oh, you know, Dom, we got to get you a mic stand or something. Oh, I got one. I just, I'm sitting back. I got my feet up and uh, I'm all relaxed. You got to, you remember, I spent hours with my three-year-old grandson today. So I'm pooped. I got to have my feet up. Um, I'll, I'll get you I'll get you one of the stands that you can kind of like have it come in at an angle and you oh, can I got one of those too. Oh man, well geez, that would help you. Your arm's gonna be like jello by the, by oh, the no, freaking no. five o'clock mark. You know, but I gotta I because I know Mark last night watched uh Oshawa Kingston game. I did. And we had we had talked a little bit about uh Lucas uh, Edmonds of, of the Kingston Frontenac, and you said you were going to keep an eye on him. Pretty quiet two-point game for him, eh? Yeah, you know, he's a big kid. Real yeah. rangy forward. Gets down in the dirty areas without a care in the world and just kind of, like, bounces off of people. Um, you know what's funny about that game is I, I, I kind of get confused because of the jerseys. I know they were later on. I, I figured out that they were honoring the Canadian military yeah. with those colors, yeah. but I actually thought it was uh, the Green Bay Battalion, and I kept going back on CHL TV yeah. to try to see, and it it kept coming up with this and that. And speaking of jerseys, those Sarnia Sting jerseys, oh, oh bad, eh? that was terrible. For, First for thing I thought of was professional roller hockey. I was like, for, what the heck for, is this? Exactly, yeah, because you messaged saying that. But for those that don't know, is a uh, I knew Mark was watching the Oshawa game. I say, Mark, switch over to the Sarnia game for a minute. You got to see, uh, you got to yeah. see Sarnia's and- jerseys. They were wearing a, a Christmas jersey. But you know, we got to touch a little bit on Brett Harrison because on the podcast earlier in the week, as you know, I was knocking him for uh, lack of uh, hustle on the back check and uh, uh, not playing physical. Uh, and, you know, avoiding scrums and stuff like that. But it would appear that uh, he either watched us or read my tweets or <laughs> or somebody from Boston had a good sit-down talking to him. We knew Jamie Langenbrunner and Adam McQuaid were going to go down and see him, right, Mark? Yeah. And uh, uh, total difference last night, eh? 
Yeah, yeah, he was That's definitely good. engaged in the physicality, um, which yeah. is very, it's very good to see. But that was a very hard-ridden game, too. Ob- obviously, the um, the Kingston Fontenacs, they they won the game, but um, it was it was kind of intense going back and forth, uh, regardless yeah. of the of the score. And um, you know, Brett was fully fully involved, and and uh, actually, Peter Tenkrat, uh, one of the very good uh, Twitter follows. Um, tweeted out a video of Brett with the ultimate friggin' uh, uh, headlock. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, it was pretty funny. So I was like, "Yeah, he's getting involved, which is good," and so on. But um, yeah, it was good you to know, see. Yeah, some of those um, those little bit of hard minutes are good for him in the development role as he builds his um, his offensive skills. It's never it's never a bad idea to have some of those physical attributes i'm not saying that you have to be a fighter to, to crack the lineup as so many junior kids did back in the day yeah but to be prepared for all types of the game that's going to come at you whether you look at it from the offensive uh landscape when you're looking at the 200 foot sheet of ice or what's coming at you from the side yep we got mr mark balboni in the uh balboni in the house what balboni, up, is that an italian name i think so He's but, from Bo- he is from Boston, so it's it's quite yeah. it's quite um, that could be it, yeah. Let, let me tell you something about him, Dom. So he's actually a Boston Bruins fan, and he is a San Jose Sharks fan. <laughs> so tonight, I think he might spontaneously combust watching the game. He's going to do the zoomies like dogs do when they go woo. So I'm not really <laughs> sure what he's going to do watching this game tonight, but uh... <laughs> probably record it and check the scores in the morning, eh, <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> Uh, that's funny. Oh yeah, he was supposed. This is what he was saying. He said he's supposed to go to the game tonight, but COVID fi- has finally struck. Oh, uh, that's too bad. Hope yeah. you're not doing well soon. Yeah, 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 exactly. Hopefully, you and yours uh, get over it fast. Yep. Yeah. I had the COVID too, man. It's uh, it is what it is. You get through it, and then you uh, keep pushing on. Absolutely. Um. Geez, another another prospect that I was watching last night was uh, Fabian LaSalle uh, for the Vancouver Giants. They were playing the Victoria Royals in game one of uh, the uh, the little series that they're going to have at the Langley Center in uh, British Columbia. And uh, they play – those two, two, two teams play again tonight, which is uh, sure to be a, a, a real good battle. But uh, Vancouver comes away with a 40 nothing shutout. That – I, I really like that Jesper Weichmann guy, the the goalie. He is so good, but and, and he's obviously somebody somebody's goalie. I'm not sure who. I think it's one of the California teams, but um, they're lucky to have him. But I was paying attention to Fabian Lysel uh, last night, who was the um, the 2021 first round pick. He's a right winger, Swedish, little undersized forward. But let me tell you. This this kid just has so much that gets me all excited because he's not a fighter. He's got offensive skills, but he's not afraid to get in those dirty areas and work along the boards and, and really craft the net when needed. Um, I, I, I continue to do – I really like the WHL games and when Bruins prospects are out there because after the AHL Bruins start at 7 and done at 9.30, it's a nice transition to go right yeah. over to there and start watching those games. <clears throat> But he was—he uh, had a goal and an assist last night, and what, his goal 
was just a, a, a piece of art. I mean, seriously, it just he fakes out the uh, the forward coming at him, basically fakes out the the defenseman as he's skating towards the net, and then has the intelligence to notice that the goalie and, and the quickness that the goalie was like out of position a little bit and fires it on net and gets the goal. So uh, I thought he played in a great game last night. Lots of tweets about it. So uh, I don't know if you guys saw any of the action. Oh, yeah. It just goes to show that how how quick he processes what is happening out there. It, it, it takes a special type player to, to process the game that quickly and uh, and to find success doing it. And he's doing it. So um, we, we should be happy. He's a Bruins prospect prospect. I still think uh, going to the WHL was the best move for him for this year. Uh, next year, you know, I think he's going to start out in Providence and uh, you know, he could get some time up in Boston. The good thing about him is that uh, as you know, the Bruins have already signed him. His contract slides for this year. And unless he gets in 10 NHL games next year, uh, it's going to slide again. So the Bruins could potentially have him on an entry-level contract for five years. Yeah. Yeah, that's much That's much like what they, what happened with uh, Malcolm Subban, first-round pick yeah. of the uh, – out of – oh, I can't – is it the Belleville Bulls? Yeah, Belleville Bulls. Okay. Yeah, he was signed, um, drafted, and signed, and then it just – you know, it, basically his – his AHL time started his uh, entry level deal. So yeah, having a prospect same, like this around for that long is yeah, good. Same happened to Euro back in nine, and even yeah. even though he played in the AHL because he was drafted as an eighteen year old and signed right away, unless he played in those ten NHL games, his contract would slide too, which made him ineligible for the uh, for both expansion drafts, right and. Uh, they had him under control for five years. Right. Uh, Karen comes up with an interesting question, and I, I think I have an answer for it. She says, I have one question for you, gentlemen, if you don't mind. The Boston Bruins have a YouTube channel called Behind the B. It's actually on Nesson, too. It's not just YouTube. Um, and it, did the producers effectively edit out any images of two giraffes in the past several months? I don't believe they did, Karen. I believe that they he wasn't involved with the team because he wasn't signed as a player, mm -hmm. probably why he wasn't mentioned. And uh, obviously uh, later on when he was signed coming back from his hip surgery, uh, he was involved in the behind the B series. So that's probably the biggest reason why yeah. is they're not going to pay attention uh, to a Boston for once related, um, you know, video, uh, you know, behind the scenes type of uh, view for the fans when, the, the player is technically not a Boston Bruin because, you know, you have to be on the contract and so on. So right. that's, kind of, that's kind of my thought. I don't think they purposely edited anything out. No. Uh, yeah. I don't think they would do that to a career um, franchise leader and, and, and basically all all stats. Yeah, no, they did because, the same with Shara too. Yeah. When, uh, yeah because under, under the CBA, if, if uh, he's under contract and they own the, the rights to – licensing and and images of him right so he's under, he's not under contract they can't just use it 
that makes a total total ton of sense and this is why we have the, a great gentleman like Don Tiano on the program because I didn't even know that that would have taken me a week of research Tom so you saved my you saved me time <laughs> there you go <laughs> um but back to Lysel I mean just uh just so so skillful like the attributes in his bag are just unbelievable at this moment right now, just developing in the WHL. And like you said, a perfect place for him to go to learn several aspects of the game. Um, his offensive capabilities and how fast the game comes at you at a 200 by 85 sheet. He did play overseas, bigger ice, international ice, and so on. So the game does come at you fast, and we all, we all know that. But and we also talked about on the Black and Gold Hockey podcast when we had you on this week that there's a lot of ties between the Bruins and the and the Vancouver Giants. So a lot of a lot of communication going on, a lot of dialogue. But I really, really love his speed, his edge work, and his hands. It just seems like in this short time that he's been in North America, it's really come at an aggressive level that this kid just loves to learn and excel and make his team better on a game by game basis. So. I, I, I hate to I, think I, where Vancouver would be without him right now. Yeah, exactly. Well, I don't, I don't know about a playoff position. Well, you I know? don't think they would be. I don't think they would yeah. be. I think the the thing that has impressed me the most, and this is probably where the WHL was a good thing for him. I mean, he would have learned it in Providence too, but he would have been going up against bigger and more experienced players. Is that he's learned to stick up for himself he uh he won't get pushed around and i think in, if he had he been in providence he would have been pushed around and i don't think he would have pushed back against older and sometimes bigger opponents now yep. here's another question i don't mean to cut you off kevin um once the whl regular season is over and in and if the Vancouver Giants do make the playoffs and his commitment is done and he's eligible to come to the AHL to play with Providence is he gonna does he have to get into a certain amount of games to make the playoff roster um you mean with Providence or with Boston no with with I'm not even talking Boston <clears throat> Oh, I, I don't uh, see that. I don't see that happening at all. Yeah, I don't see that happening at all either. But, Pro- yeah. but Providence is is an option, and and it's a it's yeah, a Pro- Providence. I mean, we've seen it do seen them do it in in past years. Once their CHL season is over, they they go up to Prov. I mean, they did it with Jack Stanika, for example. Yep. Um, Jesse Gabriel. Jesse Gabriel. They've done it with Ryan Spooner. They, you know. Uh, <laughs> So once the CHL sees they are officially eliminated, they're eligible for the AHL. Yeah. McAvoy did the long. same thing as well, right? Coming from the NCAA up for the actual Boston Bruins to get into the playoffs, right? Who? Uh, McAvoy. Mac, McAvoy, McAvoy, McAvoy first signed uh, an amateur tryout agreement. Yeah. And then when injuries happened in Boston, uh, they signed him. And... Uh, Let's say McAvoy had signed that contract prior to NHL trade deadline, but had never been up with the big Ross, big club. Uh, he wouldn't have been eligible because to be eligible for the playoffs, you have to be on the tw- on the roster after trade deadline. That's right. 
That's right. Wow. <laughs> And we almost didn't. I think, well, yeah, I have to. I have to think. I'll let me think about that in my head. It'll it'll come to me. But I think, I think that's how it worked. If if he had signed a professional contract, but McAvoy signed an amateur tryout before, and right. then it was all, all just the injuries that happened on the blue line that they signed him to his ELC and brought him up. Okay, yep. that's how that happened. Okay. So um, an update as of Thursday night uh, when the Boston Bruins, it was a late one, folks. And if you stayed up, uh, God love you. I, I stayed up for the pretty much the first period and had to watch the uh, the replay the next day. Uh, but the Boston Bruins beat the Seattle Kraken 3-2 to two in overtime. And um, they are currently on a three-game winning streak. And uh, they have San Jose tonight and L.A. on Monday and Anaheim on Tuesday. So... Lots of um, good hockey coming up, but you know it is Saturday night technically, so I'll be able to at least watch tonight's game. I don't know about Monday and Tuesday because that, that those next days at work are gonna be I'm gonna be hurting. Don't worry, Mark. I'll force myself to do it. I got you. <laughs> nice. I just... Here's an here's an interesting one I'm gonna throw out at at you guys because I know everybody's talking about trade deadline and. I don't want to get into politics here or anything, but but with the KHL season being over and going directly to the playoffs, which begin Monday or Tuesday next week, and a lot of North American players playing in the KHL uh, pretty pissed off at what's happening uh, with Russia invading Ukraine, we're see we're hearing about a lot of North American players that want to get out and come back to North America. Um, you know, j- just to give you an example, Stephen Camper. You know, um, yep. just one name. There are many, many names out there. I mean, you guys know who they all are. Um, I think we might see now in this case waivers comes into play because they have played in Europe this year. So in this, in this case, we might see a few of those KHLers uh, signed to an NHL team team. And then we're going to have an all out war between the NHL and the KHL about which contract is enforceable here. Yeah. Yeah, because didn't they have an agreement about 10 years ago or, or five years ago about those contracts? They have a, a memorandum of understanding that they will not sign each other's players that are under contract. Now, an, a KHL contract expires on April 30th. All con- all KHL contracts expire April 30th, uh, which is too late to get on the roster. Uh, no, actually, it's not too late to get on the roster for... NHL playoffs, but Russian players have this built built in clause in all their contracts that states their contract technically doesn't expire until after the world champions. Uh, They're allowed to come to North American sign after April 30th, but if they're selected to play in the world champions or championships for Russia, they have to report. Okay, but that only applies to Russian-born players. It doesn't apply to 
uh, let's say uh, Peter Slarik, who isn't Russian, or yeah, to a Stephen sense. Camper, who isn't Russian. So I, I'm thinking we might see some movement there. Uh, it depends on how much of a battle uh, Bill Daly and Gary Bettman want to get into with uh, with the KHL. I'd yeah. take Stephen Camper back on this team as a depth piece. I really would. I, I, I like what too. he did for us. I really do. I, uh, you know what? People are going to hate me for saying this, but I'd put him in over over Connor Clifton. I agree 100%. Clifton's um, too off and on for me. Um, I'm not pushing back on that at all. He's got – I mean, the thing with Clifton is I like to call him uh, the debrusque of the defense. Um, it's like they both have this disappearing act to them where one game they are doing everything you want them to do. The next game, it's where are you? What's going on? Uh, you know, and then another thing with Clifton too is he gets himself into these situations where he's taking really bad penalties, kind of like a Frederick mm-hmm. used to do. So, I mean, I, I would definitely take a stable guy like Stephen Camper over uh, <clears throat> Connor Clifton. I really would. Kevin, if you could give me Connor Clifton versus Washington last season's playoff and what he did against Alex Ovechkin. Seven out of ten games, he can be on my roster. Yep, I said that too. If I can get playoff Cliffy hockey, I'm in. If I am not getting that, no thanks. Yep. I said that at the beginning of the season. I got to answer somebody's question over here. It is from Facebook user. Um, no, I don't know the name. So it's uh, I'll just put it up here anyway. Is Reimer playing in net for, tonight for San Jose? I just looked and he is playing on San Jose, but I'm not sure if he's getting the nod tonight. Um, I'll look at my fantasy. If, and see. If, if I was coach, Reimer wouldn't be starting against the Bruins ever. <laughs> Game seven flashbacks. Yeah. But there is, they do have somebody um, named Zach Sawchenko, entry level. So that's probably. Uh, due to a lot of injuries. And um, I think I have the roster. Yeah, I got all the rosters there. So, yeah, I, I don't care who it is. If it's if it's, uh, if it's, if it's uh, James Reimer or this rookie guy on an entry-level deal, this Boston Bruins team needs to pelt him with rubber all yep. night long. They can't, they can't play down to San Jose. Just yep. cannot. Well, they, they put tons of rubber um, on Grubauer against Seattle and they still had a tough time there trying to get the puck in. I mean, it's, it's strange, you know, they outplayed the crap out of Seattle. And that's, yeah, but you know what, Kevin, they, they did. Um, and, oh, you know what? We'll compare it to last night's Oshawa game. Patrick Lever faced 21 shots uh, last night in the, the Oshawa net and gave up one goal. They were outshot 21 to four. So same scenario, but if the Bruins, while they generated generated shots and a lot of them high quality, you weren't getting a lot of second chance opportunities. No. Whereas um, the game we watched last night, whereas, okay, yeah, Lieber did the same thing to Kingston as Grubauer did to the Bruins. Uh, but Kingston adjusted in the second period 
and put shots in different areas and went on to win the game six to two. The Bruins right. didn't do that. So, um, you know, people are going to blame Bruce Cassidy here, but that's a player's adjustment. That's not a coaching adjustment. Right. No, they got to get more. They got to get a lot more traffic in front of the net too. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like there's a lot of um, easy pucks coming in, even, even more difficult shots. I feel like they're being seen full, full through. Um, you got to get some more commotion going on in front of yeah. there. Um, you have to. The Jake DeBrus goal, Kevin. They need more goals like that. Yeah. Which one? The one where he just <laughs> it was three quarters of the way over the goal line yeah. and punched it in. Exactly. Exactly. You that know, was a be, fun goal. Be there for the first and second and third opportunity yeah. if need be. But also put yourself in a position that you're going to be um, privy on what's going to happen on the defense if the puck gets turned over and – you know, it's an odd man rush going the other way, obviously. Yeah. Yep. But those ch- those chances don't happen if you're firing it into the crest of the goaltender all the time. Oh, exactly. yeah. Exactly. I agree. I agree. So, yep. I got another question uh, here from uh, Jason Larade, and I think I hacked that again, but I'm not sure. Sorry, Jason. But um, he says, could you guys see Solaric having any value if he came back over? He's still... Yeah. He's still a part of the organization. I think he's got one more year of uh, his twenty seventh. His twenty seven year old year is technically when players are done with their teams. Correct, Dom? No, it'd be June first of the year he turns twenty seven. Okay. So, um, I was hoping that he'd have an excellent. olympics and no he had a good one but i don't i don't think he did enough to uh i, I he'll never play for the bruins again that much i know don't yeah i didn't think so bruins again but i was hoping he would have a good enough olympics that he could be part of a trade uh going someplace else to bring something back and i don't think that materialized through the olympics and i don't think the khl playoffs uh, will be enough to do that for him. It's a valid point. And also, you know, parting words on the way out doesn't help either. No. <laughs> Normally no. it doesn't help any of the, uh, no. anybody that talked, whether it be Ryan Spooner, Alexander Koklachev, um, Peter Solarik, or... Oh, Coco. Yeah. <laughs> hashtag CocoGate. That was, from, my, that was oh. from one of the original Black and Gold Hockey podcasts. Um um co-host rob tomlin he used to always every time anybody said coco he was like hashtag coco gate coco puffs <laughs> you know, this, this is what i don't understand about coklachev because the bruins um the bruins did a lot for him now coco decided he was going to go back leave the winter spitfires and go back to the khl and uh he did and it was just terrible having a terrible, terrible season. It was just was not what it was going to be. And I just happened to be on my way to London to catch a game between the uh, winter spitfires and the London Knights. And I got a message and said, Hey, Dom, there's a rumor that Koklachev is coming back to, to the OHL. So really, where are you hearing that? He says, well, I just heard that. I said, well, I'm on, almost in London now <laughs> and winter's playing. I'll see what I can find out. 
So I get to my parking spot and I have to walk all the way around the arena to the media entrance. I walk in the door and who's standing there giving an interview? None other than Windsor Spitfire GM Warren Reichel. So I stood to the side, waited, uh, you know, for it to finish. And I said, Warren, I just heard that uh, Coco's coming back. He said, yeah, we're working on it. You know, we got to clear a spot for him. That was all Boston. That was all, hey, Alex, you got to get out of the KHL. It's no good for you. He had something like two points in 26 games or something. So the Bruins went to Windsor said, you know, we're going to bring him back. Can you make room for him? Uh, Windsor didn't have an import spot open for him, so they had to trade a player. But Boston facilitated all that. And then... You know, parting shots afterwards, it's like, come on, man. They did everything they could for you. Yeah. And I I believe that he only got into nine games, NHL games throughout his call-ups, uh, while a player like Peter Solarik got into 40 and still, in my opinion, couldn't show exactly what he could do. I, I you, Dom and Kevin, you know I cover the Providence Brewers pretty thoroughly and so on. The game I saw for Peter Sorelic at the AHL level was exciting. It was like you really, really felt for the guy. Like, hey, this is a great opportunity for him to get in the NHL and be consistent. But when he got there, it was the, it was signs. It was small impacts, not huge impacts that get a head coach or the coaching staff's attention to say, let's keep this guy in, get the talking going, to get, talk him up and so on in the lineup. It just wasn't there. And no matter what, if he had a chance with, uh, with David Krejci or not. You know, it was just a weird situation. Um, I don't think, I don't think, we talk about Lysel and how he processes the game. I don't think, A, Slark skating was good enough. B, I don't think he processed the game enough, or quick enough. Um, And I, frankly, you know, I'll be blunt. I just don't think his hockey IQ is there. Now, now let me ask you, at an international level, what are you thinking now? Same thing. Okay. Okay. Like, I mean, he came up to Boston. He was good for four or five games and then disappeared. Well, in, right. the, K, in the KHL, he was good the first 15 games of the season, and then he disappeared. Okay. He had um, a great world ch- Again, in short bursts, everything. He was good at the Olympics. Short bursts, seven games. Uh the world champions uh, championships uh short tournament uh you know eight nine games it's done and over with put him in for the long haul i just don't think he's capable sounds like a bit of like a motivation issue too it's like you come out hot and then it's just like you kind of lose it you just not you don't really have that motivation to like continue playing at the level you've been playing at and giving it a hundred percent for you know let's say an eighty two game season over an NHL you know for for an NHL season yeah that's something that just is not going to work for any player no and I think frustration sets in then Kevin and and um you, you, th- this isn't a game you can play when you're frustrated mm-hmm. yeah exactly yep. You know? And and uh, just to touch on Solaric and his time here a little bit, yes, he at the AHL level, he, you know, he was getting those looks to say, yeah, we, we, let's get him in the lineup, give him more, um, you know, attention, see where he's at, and he worked hard at the AHL level, but 
to me and and a lot of his fans you know which love to argue about you know his tenure here or short tenure for that matter is um is you know yeah he was playing at the ahl level that's all well and good and you know he got his chances at the nhl level but coaching staff is the biggest evaluators of everybody and they're like if we don't see what we see you're not going to be the one that get the call the next time and when pete when other players were passing him over that's when he was really getting frustrated and yeah. seeing like you know i can't i i don't remember names right now but you know the, the debrusks and so on getting more time and on the on the left side and the right side and so on that it, it got a little frustrating for him because you know Stolaric was around for a lot longer than a lot of these other players and he just wasn't getting his fair share but I'm sorry, but 40 games, that's a that's a that's a that's a big cup of coffee in my opinion. Yep. Yep. And a lot of that was uh playing with David Krejci too. <clears throat> yeah. Now that now Solaric is a Slovak and Krejci is a Czech Republic. A Czechia, sorry. Sorry yeah. folks out there. <laughs> <clears throat> Looks like we have another question. Is this from Nicholas? From Nicholas Alexander. All right, I'm going to put it right up. Nicholas Nicholas says, realistic trade targets for the Bruins in the coming weeks. Under a month to go before the trade deadline. Um, I mean, do you want to hear realistic? Because you might not want to hear realistic. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, um, mean, the prices are going to be astronomical for a, a good portion of these players. Um, and you gotta, and we gotta kind of see where this team's going to be. I, I'd say give, give the team two weeks, see where they're going to be and then kind of make your decision from there. Cause I think we're what, three weeks, um, coming up on three weeks away from the deadline. Yeah. Um, yeah. Three so yeah. I'd say two weeks from now, you'll really see where, what you have. Um, if this team continues to play down to their opponents, um, and they continue to just not be able to kind of string together consistent hockey. Like Dom has said, like I've heard others say, hold your assets. But if this team can give you the type of uh, performance you want to see and know this team can be capable of every single, uh, every single game, you know, playing a full 60, then um, yeah, go after some guys. They're going to need a lefty. They're going to need um, another forward there, preferably from me, a right winger. I mean, I know a lot of people are high on that 2C, but I think a right winger would be um, more beneficial for this team because DeBrusque, I mean, they're definitely working on moving him. Uh, they got to find the right trade, and DeBrusque is helping himself uh, with performances like, uh, you know, Thursday night there against the Seattle Kraken. So, um, and you have to be able to replace that because you have nothing in house to go up there with them. You have nothing. I mean, you're not putting Felino there. Um, it doesn't look like they're going to be trying to use Seneshin. And even if they did try to use Seneshin, that's not a sure bet. I mean, it hasn't I, – I don't see that working out. It's just one of those things where that's a bigger hole than where you have Eric Halla, um, you know, working uh, between two star players like that. And, you know, Eric Halla, he may be a bit older than he was in uh, 2017 in the inaugural season of the – um, of the Vegas Knights going to the Stanley Cup Finals, but he was the second-line center for that team with lesser talent. So, I mean, if he can if he can get it done there, I'm sure he'd be just fine getting it done here. Again, not the same player. He just needs to be a glue player, though. He doesn't have to be the one who's driving the offense. Just, you know, play your game 
And I think that's absolutely fine for this team for a playoff run, but um, having a score up there with them would be good. I'll leave it to uh, you guys on some actual targets, but that's my primer. Tom, you want the next targets? I like. I'm with Kevin. Wait, you know, we talked about it the other night too. It's like, what? What am I getting over the next couple of weeks? Am I getting Boston versus Colorado, or am I getting Boston versus Seattle? <laughs> to me, that determines what 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 I'm going to do. I if I'm getting Boston versus Seattle. I'm sorry, one or two bodies is not helping this team. It just is not. If I'm getting Boston versus uh, Colorado, um, yeah, realistic target, a Claude Giroux, um, you know, somebody like that. Um, you know, but I, I'm, I'm not blowing the future to do it when I know I mean, I've been a Bruins fan since 1967. I know they're not getting past Tampa. I know they're not getting past Carolina. I, I will give them a shot against Florida and against Toronto, but I'm not blowing the future to, to win two rounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one thing I want to add about the whole trade, um, this year's trade particularly, and it even was a little bit with last year's trade because of the everything with COVID, blah, blah, blah. Um, the, it's the uncertainty of the salary cap for next season. Uh, we were all told it was going to go up to a million dollars. Then we had the, you know, the, uh, the protocols happen. The, the, uh, not missed games, but postponed games. So we really don't know where we're going to be with this salary cap um, at, quite yet. So that might really push a lot of the NHL teams, not just the Boston Bruins, who desperately, in my opinion, need to make a move for the win now, um, which I'm not totally on board for, like blowing it up just to, just to, you know, but I don't know. But long story short, is a lot of the the 32 teams in the NHL, I don't know, maybe maybe not so many, but are going to be up against the 11th hour of the trade deadline just because of that matter of we don't know what we're going to actually have to play with next season. Is that a fair assessment, Dom? Um, yeah, I, I don't think a million dollars. Right? The cap was expected to go up to 82.5 next year from 81.5. Mm-hmm. I think that the limited attendance in in Canadian arenas or no attendance for a while put a damper on that. So, but I don't think a million dollars is going to affect a lot of teams. Um, Nashville is in great shape for this year, next year. Um, New York Rangers are in terrible shape for next year. One million dollars was not going to help. Uh, the New York Rangers. And then you look at 16 teams this year in long-term injury reserve. Um, They're the ones that always find a way out of it. And when push, let's put it this way. You can't go over the cap. Your cap is 81.5 million. Get under it. So they move bodies to do it. I'm sure that Arizona will take on a $6 million contract from somebody if you give me a first or second round draft pick, there are ways to get under the cap. So I don't, I, I, 
I think what it affects this year is the hockey trade because you have to take next year into consideration and who you're requiring and what kind of contract do they have. Um, I've said before, like Nashville is in, in a great position. They could add Austin Matthews and um, Mitchell Marner right now to their team without having to move any salary and still be a compliant next year. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> That's why I've been kind of un- trying to understand why Nashville would be. I mean, I understand, you know, if you're not going to be able to resign a guy, you know, move him, get what you can for him. I get that part of it, but um, I don't know. I just feel like Nashville has been at it for so long when it comes to trying to win a cup, you know, at least the better part of 10 years, they've been you yeah. know, kind of relevant and in it. It's like with all the cap space they have, I mean, just go for it, you know, do what, go for it for one single season, just do it. I mean, they're not going to obviously, I mean, look who their GM is, but um, yeah, I feel, I feel for that franchise. Cause it's like, you know, they, they have the pieces to kind of build upon there to just like really go for it, but it's not going to happen. Oh. And Forrestburg's not going to be a Bruin too. I know that that question will probably pop up at oh, some point, but no, yeah. Forrestburg he- will not. I mean, Think of how much he's going to cost. I mean, yeah. he's probably looking anywhere between nine and ten million. I mean, it's the, just not going to happen here. The Chikrins, the Forsbergs, um, just throw any big name you want out there. It, it, it's not going to happen. The, the Bruins are not going to spend the assets required for one shot at at the Stanley Cup that they probably don't stand a good chance of even getting out of the conference. Although I will say that Chikrin's probably the most realistic one out of those names, just due to the, just due to his contract in his yeah. age, it's most realistic one, but that, con- that would be a now and future move, but you'd give up a lot of your future. Yeah, to get it a lot because the contract alone adds another first round pick. You're getting um, a first, you're getting a first round pick for the player the type of player he is, and you're getting a first-round pick because of the contract he has and the term he has. He's coming at two first-round picks, I guarantee you. Anything less than that, Arizona ain't trading him. That's right. Um, Clovis Roy, old friend Clovis, my boy, um, comes in hot with what's everybody think of Kelly behind the bench so far? That's an interesting question because – Obviously, Chris Kelly was brought in for the same um, the Ottawa Senators. I'll be right back. Yeah, I got to use the little boys' room. No worries. Or, or what? What does Brett call it? Oh, he didn't hear me. Oh. Uh, the washroom. Um, but uh, but where was it going with this? Oh, Kelly uh, coming in be, um, uh, before the 2011 Stanley Cup. Uh, you know, pretty much him and Recky were like. And and Chara, obviously, the real veteran uh, presence of that championship run and so on. Um, And to see him behind the bench after being a Bruin and and winning a cop and, you know, going through those experiences, I think that really adds a lot of, like, resume builder to a coach like Chris Kelly and, and his future sustainability behind the bench. And, you know, this might be a new 
a new thing for him that he might be an assistant for a couple of years. And obviously, you know, much like the Kurt, Kurt Muller route of, uh, you know, so many years of Kurt being a coach all over the place and then cracking the, uh, the, uh, the bench boss title, which was not successful. I'm not saying it was successful yeah. at all, but you know, kind of like that route that, that these former players take throughout the, the, um, the league and, and then in the tenure where they're, um, behind the bench. But, um, Dom, I'm not sure if you have an opinion on this at all, but uh, do you do you see the team being better with uh, Chris Kelly being behind the bench and, and and obviously losing a valued member like uh, Jay Pandolfo? I think losing Pandolfo was a major hit, but um, I had no pro- no problem with Kelly coming aboard, and you know, seeing that. I have to watch on television. I'm not there in the arena. I see glimpses of, of him communicating, uh, not with just younger players, because I think he'll be great with younger players. But it was, I can't remember if it was against uh, Colorado or one game last week, last week anyway. You could see him, Nesson had caught a glimpse of him talking to Patrice Bergeron about something that would have that had just happened. Now we all know Patrice Bergeron doesn't need any coaching, especially from Chris Kelly. Right. But you could tell that um, Kelly is respected even by Bergeron because he was agreeing with him and you could tell he was asking a question and Kelly was, was responding to him. So, um, I think he has the respect of the guys in the room, and I think he'd be really, really good uh, for for the young players. I mean, look at Frederick, uh, how how far he's come along just in this season mm-hmm. compared to what he was earlier in the year. Um, I thought he would have been good for Jake DeBrusque, um, you know. Um, so, yeah, yeah I, I think Kelly's a, a smart enough person. He understands the game. He's a student of a game. I thought we'd see him more in a development role or a management role than coaching. So it, it kind of got caught me by surprise. But, um, yeah, I'm fine with, uh, with Kelly as a coach. Yeah, I, I saw Kelly down in Providence several times last, not last season. I know. And, no, I got I to gotta correct myself. Um, I didn't see Kelly. I might have saw him, but I saw McQuaid a lot more. Not last season in the abbreviated 56-game campaign. Right. And when a lot of media, besides Mark Diver, weren't really allowed at, at the war, um, the Marlboro ranks where our LaRue Renfro owns. Um, but, you know, um, a, a player like Adam McQuaid's been involved. Um, you know, we see him in the boxes up there with uh, a lot of the developmental guys um down in the ahl but um i I, it's it's a it's a solid voice behind the bench i i I, like like you i'm not there all the time i don't see what goes on i'm basically just seeing everything that's being done on tv but when the camera does pan over and he's leaning over and he's patting guys on the ass patting guys on the freaking on the shoulders and communicating with them, grabbing the iPad and showing them different um, ways, to, uh, zone entry, zone exits, and so on. That's it, it's all just a really good voice of of getting the message through. Um, and uh, he's a good communicator. You 
He's a good exactly, comedian. you know. But but that that was a complete character builder that the Boston Bruins organization saw so many years ago in him and how he presents himself and how he mm-hmm. learns and how he expresses his thoughts, uh, you know, to younger players and so on. So this is kind of like a seamless fit for somebody like him that's absorbed all that information over the years and then brought it right back to that bench to give it to other people. It's kind of like my area of Amesbury, Massachusetts. We used to have a semi-pro amateur team that was like in the papers, in the Boston Globe and and New York papers, were, were mentioned to be one of the nation's best amateur clubs. Mm-hmm. But it's all about development. It's all about passing the message on to the next generation to keep the to keep the message going. Keep going. Look at this yep. guy. I don't know. I don't know if you. I don't know if he you want to see. I, I know, right? That's pretty funny. But I don't know if you want to see this. But uh, Shooter McGavin's in the house, and he says, "Please go to the little boys' room and wipe that with the Hamilton jersey." Too much money to do that. Exactly. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, up in that corner, we have Nick Felino. <laughs> hey, I, will, yeah. I will put it on, though. I will put it on. That's awesome. I mean, I, I have I have no, you know, I mean, it's it, it's the only away Bruins jersey I have. It's It's got to be on the wall because I need a white one up there. Well, actually, technically, I have a white Marchand jersey from the uh, 2019 Winter Classic up there as well. So that's technically a white one. But I need one of the original away jerseys. And this is all I got for now. And Brett Brett had to correct me. It's, it's the washroom. No, it is not. <laughs> but um, <laughs> no, no, it is the uh, do your business room. We'll call it that. Now let's let's go to John Hendren. And uh, he says, who makes the biggest impact from minors, juniors next year? Great question. Uh, LaSalle, I'm thinking. Well, are we talking on the Boston Bruins roster or like making a uh, an impact on the Boston Bruins roster? Or yeah, I'm, I'm assuming that's what he means. I'm not sure if anybody makes huge impacts uh, in this year or next year. I think it's. Uh, I think the development of the Boston Bruins is a is a process now, and it's not a rush to get uh, players from the podium to the uh, NHL roster anymore. It's more of a let's see what we gambled on first. Let's see what we have. Let's see if we can um, impregnate the. Uh, that's a bad word too. Uh, <laughs> All right, there, Jack. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Oh yeah. I'm the creepy old guy now on freaking uh, on Nesson. No, but um, you know to to. to Pass the message of the system through um, the minor pro system in in Providence because I believe a, a full year of American Hockey League hot, uh, you know development is needed for a lot of these players to step in before the NHL. So I, I'll give you I, one name. Oh, sorry, I'm, go ahead, no, I'm going to give you. Okay, you give me your name. All right, my name's Oscar Steen. He's still technically in the minors. He's only played a handful of games for the Boston Bruins this year. I think he's going to make a major impact next season. Okay, I was going to go with Steen, but um, I'm going to go Eurovacaninen because he's still technically a baby Bruin. To me, anybody who's on their entry-level contract is still a baby Bruin. Um, Jack Stadnika or two, but here's my wild card. I have a wild card. Can we guess it, it before you say it? Can we see if okay. we can guess it? 
Guess. All right, Mark, you do a guess first. Oscar Yelovic. No. No, he's he's going to college. He is Yeah, I know, I know. I'm just because we've been so high on him. We've been talking a lot about him, so I just had to throw that out there. All right, here's here's my joke guess then. Chris Wagner. Uh no. I you know what? I, I'm thinking I was gonna say he's a buyout candidate, but they save more money by sending him down than they would by buying yeah, him out. Exactly. I'm gonna go with Jack Ashawn. Ooh. I like it. Didn't think and, of that. Here, here's the thing. <laughs> I I never believed that the Bruins would have. I I think they learned under the Krug Grizzlick era that you can't go with an Ashawn and a Grizzlick now. So, um, Ashawn is a restricted free agent after this season, so they have to sign him. Grizzlick is an unrestricted free agent the following season. So I think Ashawn comes in, makes an impact, and Grizzlick becomes trade bait. Huh. Yeah. I, I, that's interesting. I mean, um, do you, would you say that Ashawn has more offensive upside than Grizzlick? Yes. Very interesting. Like kind of like more on a Tory Krug type of uh, level. Somewhere in between the two. Okay. Well, that's not yeah. bad. That's like you're looking at 40, 50, four, anywhere between probably like 40, 45 points there then. Yeah. Now you can remember Sean, when, when the Bruins were able to sign him, there were a lot of teams after him. Yep. It's like not, it wasn't like, Hey, we're here. Here's a contract. And they were the only team after him. There were a lot of teams after him. Because they yeah. didn't believe in his ability. And coming out of Saquon State um, as a mobile defenseman, yes, he's on the um, the smaller side, shooting McGavin. I know you're going to rip on that. But down in Providence and, and the games that we've seen at the NHL level, he proves to be that mobile type of, of, of defenseman that the Boston Bruins constantly look after because they want to get quicker transition out of the zone. And they and traditionally, and it's trending that they match up a smaller guy with a bigger guy. So it's it, you know, he also holds his own a bit too. He does. He's like a, he's like a little pit bull. He really is. Yeah, more more than Grizzly, right? Yeah, I'd say more than Krug too. Yeah, oh, yeah. So, I I I like Ashan's game. I really liked him last year when he was working with Brady Lyle. That 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 uh, pairing seems to be mismatched now with uh, a Ryan Mouchanel system down in Providence, um, because uh, Ashan's working with a lot of uh, different different players. But he's the type of minor pro, uh, middle depth defenseman that that the, the coaching staff can put anybody with, and he'll excel because uh, yeah. he he just has that that uncanny ability just to get involved. I mean, just. And I know the size is such a big thing, so so many people, those old school hockey fans. But it, it it you have to get close to accepting it these days because these players have ability to score and 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 the will to win. And I believe that they belong in the lineup. I yep. will say, I will say that yeah, it does matter when you have a guy like that at certain times of the year, particularly the postseason when you when when teams are really forcing the the issue to get to your net and and create havoc and and 
and knock you off your game, like the Pat Maroons, the Blake Coleman's of the past, and blah, blah, blah. You know, even my boy Nick Delorier out in Anaheim. You know, you need those type of players. You need those type of defensemen. And he's not going to provide all that. But what he does provide is an uncanny ability just to move the puck really well. And he can quarterback the puck really well. I love the way he um, maneuvers head up, always looking um, along the blue line and how he can get down close to the goal line as well with his uh, with his skills. So it's not all bad because he's 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, yeah, and to piggyback off that, um, it's also an issue if your whole back end is made up of those types of guys. Yeah. It's okay to have one of those guys sprinkled in there who can do the things like Mark alluded to, give you that mobility, you know, give you those clean breakout passes, hop in on the offense and stuff like that. It's okay to have one. And that's why Dom also mentioned he thinks that, you know, Ashawn makes the impact, steps in, and they use Grizzly as trade bait. Cause you don't really want to have two of those guys, especially on no. one side of your, uh, of your uh, defense there. Yeah. Which is why I, I don't think they'll, they'll have both of them in the lineup at the same. Now mm-hmm. this season it's happened once or twice because of injuries and there, there was yeah. no alternatives right. for the Bruins, but mm-hmm. that, you know, that's, that's a different thing than, than what I'm talking about. I, I think a Sean comes in and surprises. And I think, Stadnika comes in and says, you know what? This is my last chance here in Boston. So I, I think he already kind of did that with his last call up. It's just, yeah. unfortunately they can't do anything about it. And it's just, just comes down to contracts. That's what it comes down yeah. to. Yeah. All right. We're at the hour mark right now. And I just want to uh, quickly mention that we do have a Patreon account going on for those folks that are still here. And uh, what this is, is uh, the details are below in the ticker. Uh, if you go to patreon.com slash black and gold hockey podcast, you donate $1 per episode. We do about four or five, maybe six episodes. So it's a really small investment, but you get to win, have a chance to win some fantastic prizes like weekly prizes like this. Rick Middleton signed puck. Fully authenticated. How about this one? Eddie Johnston, Stanley Cup, 7072. And also, those are weekly giveaways. We give this stuff away every week. But once a month, we give away a hand-signed jersey. And this one actually belongs to Nick Busa of the uh, Dump and Change Hockey Podcast. And this is Don Marcotte, fully signed, 7072 Stanley Cup. And fully authenticated right there. This is from Boston Sports and Music Memorabilia, our boy, Bruce Sullivan. So if you want to get involved in any of that stuff, check out the uh, link below in the ticker and donate $1 per episode. We'd certainly appreciate it. This is what you've ever seen Donnie Marcotte play. <laughs> I've seen video. That doesn't count. I love YouTube. <laughs> since, since we're showing off cool things, though, check this out. I have a Coca-Cola that's never been opened for the oh, 2011 so champion uh, Boston Bruins. Old Look at Dom. Right back. Look at Dom. He's going. He's on a mission now. <laughs> he's like a dog with a lost bone somewhere. He's going to go out in the backyard and dig up Bobby. No, um, not Bobby because he's still alive. <laughs> he's going to dig something up. He's, gonna, he's digging up Eddie Fuel right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got him in my backyard. <laughs> Oh, that's terrible. Oh, that is crazy uh, stuff. We're, we're all fun here. No morbid stuff. We're Coca-Cola? just having fun. Coca-Cola? 
Ne oh. Never open Molson Canadian Boston Bruin. Oh, and the old style That's logo. So I love that logo. Yeah. Love That's it. Cool. Absolutely love it. I don't know why it was in the other room. <laughs> <laughs> Question, Mark. While I was gone, did we get to um, Brett's comment and Nicholas's comment? I'm going up right now. Brett Howard. He says, what's up, guys? What do you think of shopping low? Uh, uh, Ricard Raquel or Justin Braun type deals without giving up high prospects or picks. Well, we actually spoke on Raquel on the latest episode of the Black and Gold uh, podcast. Yep. And the Ra Raquel actually would be probably a bit more expensive than you'd think. I mean, a second is, especially in this upcoming draft or the next, is nothing to sneeze at. And um, like Dom alluded to, um, a guy like um, – Harrison would probably be going the other way. Um, so that's kind of a high price to pay when Harrison could top out at a uh, second, a second line center for this team here um, in maybe the next few years or so. So, I mean, it's um, th that's kind of a hefty price. Braun, I'm not sure what a price would be for Braun at this point. Raquel, <laughs> excuse me, is, is unrestricted. Uh, I just, I, I don't think he moves the needle enough for Boston. Uh, so why bother? Uh, un unless you're getting somebody that moves the needle, why bother? Hold on to the assets. That's my take. Um, you know, this generation of, of hockey fans, and, and I mean this not in a condescending or, or mean way, but have been spoiled by, you know, NHL, 2010 or NHL 2Y or whatever, any of those NHL games where you can get on the remote control and trade uh, John Moore for Connor McDavid. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, hockey trade or proposal discussions start from day one of the season until trade deadline. Yeah. And, Go on any internet messaging board and you'll see it's not just Bruins fans. It's every fans. Every day it's a different proposal. We need to trade for this guy. We need to trade for that guy. But I, I guarantee you NHL teams don't think like that. They don't think about today. They think about today, tomorrow, the year after. They, they worry about the salary cap, the implications of it. What players have I got coming up that I have to sign in that time too? How does it impact them? Uh, how does it impact my salary structure on my team? Um, you know, we spoke about it a few podcasts ago, like where Patrice Bergeron was the level that Bruins contracts were negotiated on. Now we're talking a higher cap and it's, it's Charlie McAvoy. So uh, bringing in a Connor McDavid, what does that do? I, it's it's not getting on a remote making a trade that's not the way the the business works and remote you yeah. know and people ask me every single day on twitter and you guys see it it's like dom what do you think of this trade who will you go after but no i don't make proposals i i i'd rather deal in facts are the bruins after anybody and if i know i'll let you know uh, but I'm not into making proposals because there's a lot more involved in it than, and I'm not trying to dummy anybody that most fans don't understand because 
I get asked cap questions a hundred times a day. How would this affect the cap? You know, because yep. the, the salary cap is not an easy thing to learn. It, it's not. And, you know, I, I've explained it to people a hundred times that deadline salary cap space is the total AAV of a player's contract that can be added. So the Bruins have $5 million in, in deadline cap space. They can add a player with a $5 million AAB. Well, then they come back to me and say, well, yeah, but prorate. No, there's no prorating. They can add a player with a $5 million AAB. There's no prorating to be done. That's what it is. And, you know, I, I don't want to be condescending or mean, but trades just don't happen the way fans want them to happen. No, it's true. Well, unless unless you're Peter Shirelli, then you're probably using a remote. That's yeah. Well, uh, well, Peter Shirelli used Cap Friendly for his cap advice. So. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, and that was actually up on the um, on the uh, on the board when the uh, behind the B was up, wasn't it? Uh, not, that was such an interesting clip. Mistake. But you know what, Shirelli was a capologist. That oh yeah. Oh yeah. Right? And he's a he was a former. Uh, player agent so he didn't yeah. need some hobby graduate yeah he didn't need somebody on staff to like donnie sweeney has in in evan gold to manage the cap for um for me to to answer brett's question and and shout out to brett sorry to hear about your grandmother and so on of passing um thinking about you and your family hopefully everything is cool love you bud um the Ra- raquel is is i mean that, that really doesn't move the needle much. And, and Justin Braun coming out of Philadelphia. I know Philadelphia is kind of a dumpster fire right now. I, I, I don't I don't know if he'd be the kind of player that we'd, we'd actually absolutely need. Um, but those are more lateral movements for me. It doesn't address the win now, uh, which I'm ultimately I'm very scared on the win now scenario. But I'm also a, a, you know an optimist on we need to protect a lot of our assets, even though we're we're the worst, probably the worst ranked in the freaking league when it comes to prospects. But still, not anymore. Yeah, I know. We still have to freaking you know keep our own to to build for the future. Even though that you know there's not a lot down there that's pushing the needle on on telling uh, the Bruins coaching staff that we need to sit this guy and that guy like a, a Nick Delino um, to bring up a, a player. I mean, injuries are gonna happen. Like Lazar, Lazar's injured. He's out for tonight. Jesper Froden is now in the lineup tonight, so he'll get his second NHL game. Um, but there's like there's nobody pushing the uh, down the AHL that says I need to be I need to sit this guy because this guy wants to play and, and can prove it. So until then, it is what it is. But more or less, I just think that this trade deadline is going to be more lateral movements without these big explosive moves that that uh, that fans think that. We're going to blow it up. We're going for it this year because realistically, I absolutely don't see it If even if we did because it, fans do have to understand that the emotional toll in that locking room was when you trade a valuable player, let's just throw it out there. Let's say uh, Brad Marchand, he's traded. I'm telling you, that next year that he's gone is not going to be an easy year in the locker room. No. No. You know, it's he's- not going to be an easy year on the ice either. So. You have to really calculate your thoughts when you think about this. And like Dom said, just don't throw it up on uh, EA Sports, NHL 2023. And if it passes there, throw it out online. Don't do that. No, and I'll, uh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Kevin. I think the only way 
bringing in a guy like Raquel would work is if he wasn't the only move. I mean, it, it would have to be, you'd have to get, I think, a significant piece on the back end, um, you know, and then and then maybe a guy like Raquel would work to work next to Bergeron and Martian if, you know, you were, you know, quote unquote, going for it. But, but the then price how, many to do pieces, that, how many pieces have you given up to do that? Kevin? That's what I was about to say. But the price of doing that would be astronomical. So it's just like, I, I don't see something like that happen. I'd rather bring in a guy like, you know, we spoke about him before, like a Phil Kessel to put there because he's going to be cheap. And, you know, it's going to be one of those things that's not going to really hurt you. Right. Um, you know, it, as long, but I'm not bringing in Phil Kessel if that's all I'm doing. No. You know, so it's, it's, it's really tough. I mean, you know, limited assets, um, you know, you got to make the money work. I mean, you can move out to Brusque to, you know, create more money. Um, but it, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be weird. That's all I can say. Let, let me put it this way, Kevin, because there's a segment of, of I'll be right back, guys. Bruins Nation that, that, um, wants to blow it all up and here's why i don't you have a future uh franchise goaltender in jeremy swayman you have a franchise defenseman in uh charlie mcavoy franchise is the perfect word for it too you have a franchise right winger in david pasternak you've got a franchise Brad Marchand for the next few years. And you've got a former MVP top six left winger in Taylor Hall uh, for the next few years. <laughs> Throw in Brandon Carlo. Um, Charlie, or, uh, Charlie, Matt, Charlie Coyle at this point looks like a legit number three center playing with Frederick and Smith. Um, love the fourth line, the way Lazar's hurt, but um, why blow it all up? And why trade your first rounder? Now, a lot's going to depend on Patrice Bergeron, what he does next year. If he doesn't come back, you have one hole to fill. And that's your your number one center position. Uh, you've got Mason Lorai coming up on defense. It's going to be your stud left side defenseman. Um, you know, I see him another year away from the NHL. Somebody explain to me why we're blowing this up. Because I don't get it when I hear Bruins fans talking about it. If you Like trade the rebuild your, comments? Yeah. If you yeah. trade your first this year in one of the best drafts in a, in a long time to fill in a hole on one right wing that ain't going to help you win this year anyway. Why are we doing that when you can use it to get a potential number one center? Yep. And that's what they need. I mean, you got Bergeron in the second round, you know, yeah, you got crazy in the second round. There's enough players in this draft, it's deep enough that you could pull out a number one uh, centerman late in the first round. Yep. I threw a couple of names at you guys earlier this week in a podcast that, that that could fit the bill. So I'm not trading it. I'm not. I'm just not trading it for a fix that isn't a fix. 
Yeah, I agree. It, it shooter. Um, you, you there's people all over the comment sections of Twitter, Facebook, everywhere saying just sell the whole, just sell the team and rebuild. I see it everywhere. <laughs> the, the people are literally everywhere saying that when it's it's really not as bad as people may think. I mean, like like we say, you need to look at a first line center. As uh, Dom said on the on the podcast, you have a second line center in Harrison. You have a third line center in Studnika. You have a fourth line center in Frederick and Beecher, technically. Um, so it's it's just about finding that number one guy there, you, and then plug and play with you know others around the core you already started to build in McAvoy, Swayman, um, and uh, Pasternak. You know guys like that, and like he just said, you have guys like. Um, you know, Marsha in there and Taylor Hall and you got a franchise uh, guy in Swayman. Um, it looks like it looks like possibly um, uh, Kaiser could end up being, you know, maybe a decent backup for him someday. Maybe, you know, so it's just. Um, and sped it back too. Kaiser, yeah. Kaiser, unfortunately, injuries have impacted him, yeah. i.e. concussions. So, um you know, he could still get there. Sometimes it takes some time, but you got Sveta back in 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 uh, the USHL. What school is he heading to next? Boston College? No, Providence. Providence. Yeah, he's already Providence. committed to Providence College. So, um, when you talk when you talk about uh, goaltending, Dom, um, and 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 Kevin brought up uh, Kaiser and and his unknown future, and we don't know if Providence uh, or the Bruins are going to re-sign a uh, veteran goaltender like Troy Grosnick, who's having an outstanding year, by the yeah. way. I saw uh, those numbers too. Yeah, he, he had um he had a twenty five save shutout going um after four forty one minutes and fifty one seconds, and um the oh god, I can't remember who they playing last night. Uh, the the team that they were playing last night were really crashing the net hard and um and at that particular moment in the third period early, um a body uh, fell on him and he uh, got hurt so he was favoring yeah he was favoring uh, one of his legs so it's a lower body injury at this moment right now, um but in my opinion regardless and we hope uh, Troy Grosnick is is good because he's he's really been an inspirational story this year for this Providence Bruins team and really got them to where they're sitting right now second place in the uh in the Atlantic Division uh I believe seven to eight points behind first place uh, Springfield um uh, so and that's obviously the uh the winning percentage sets the uh the tone of the uh the the organizing of uh the ranking so but goaltending for me is is going to be big uh, this offseason in the draft. I think that either the Bruins have to, even though, they, and I know I get a lot of kickback from this from a ton of people. Why why do you want a goaltender? We have Jeremy Swayman. Well, listen, you need somebody behind them to to yeah. follow the levels up. It's not just it's not just a one and done thing. But I think they should either draft a goaltender or use one of those free agent um, signings and uh, contracts to get somebody um, um, this year out of the NCAA. Or, um, or I'll throw on that because other than Grosnick and, and Kaiser, don't forget they've got Caleb Booth and Jeremy uh, Brodeur. Under Brodeur, him. yeah, down in Maine, East Coast okay. Hockey League. Yeah. But um, a guy you've probably seen play is, are you re- write this one down, Kevin. Don't ask me to spell it for you. Zachary. Papoutsakis. Papoutsakis. Uh, nice. From the wow. Oshawa Generals. 
in the Ontario Hockey League. Uh, he's too old to re-enter the draft. He's uh, now, well, will be an unrestricted free agent on June 1st. <laughs> and they could pick, actually, no, they could sign him now. Uh, just like um, Matt Guzda signed uh, his deal a few weeks ago. But um, there, there's a guy that they could sign right now. And we know that the Bruins development staff have seen enough of him because of uh, keeping tabs on Brett Harrison. And I'm sure Mark has seen him once or twice this season too. Papuzakis. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, athletic. I, I think that the uh, Oxford Generals, yeah, he's a big kid. Uh, covers a lot of the net, um, good lateral movement side to side and everything. I think Oshawa really uh, is has done a tremendous job in their scouting when it comes to goaltenders. Yeah. Um, you know, um, but if 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 there was a free agent goaltender that I would pick out of the NCAA right now, I would keep it local still. And just re- the reason why I want to keep a lot of the stuff local is we're still going through these tough times of this stupid pandemic. Okay, so. Until we get out of this whole pandemic thing and and it's it, it was like it was before and free of travel over borders and this and that, then you gotta you gotta look what, what's close by. And for me, it's the Quinnipiac goaltender that's gonna be that's undrafted. Um his name is uh Yanif Petrus, and, and it sounds like he's from Europe, he's European, but he's actually born in Quebec, and um and I've actually seen this guy play because I'm a I'm, I'm a sick hockey nut, and I, I watch a ton of hockey out in the uh, BCHL, and particularly the Pictic, the Penticton V's, which uh, Dante Fabro played for, and and several other NHL players that that have uh, been drafted and and come out of that program, which is an unbelievable unbelievable uh, program. Um, I would I would take a look at him as a free agent signing and kind of groom him as a low risk kind of high reward type of thing. That, that's just me, though. Yeah, I, but the first thing they have to do is they have to make a decision on Caleb Booth, on Verdure, and on Grosnick, because that's what? Counting Swayman and Allmark, that's two, four, six goaltenders. And you call count speed back in the, the USHL, you're talking seven goaltenders, and that's too many. Yeah, but I'm also thinking of the uh, the off season where we might not have Grossnick. Right, he might he might not resign. You know, and wh- right. who knows what's going to happen with um with with Kaiser? I, I'm not sure if he's if he's got arb rights or he's an RFA and so on. So he's um, an RFA, no arbitration rights. Okay. Yeah, yeah, he's not drafted. When uh, when Mark says that he is, um, you know, obsessed with hockey and you know all of that, he sent Dom and I a video last night of uh, <laughs> him watching, I think, fifteen hockey games at once. <laughs> so uh... <laughs> one, two, three, four. Uh, wait a minute, one, two, three, four, five. I rounded up. I was watching, but uh, yeah, <laughs> he was watching a good amount of hockey. I only got four. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but they go on all day long. So. Oh yeah, same here. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. Do you guys want to get back into some of these questions and comments? 
Sure. Let's do it. Um, let's see. So right under the Raquel one we did for Brett Howard, we have a question from Nicholas Alexander. Is that the, um, the, yeah, Sweeney one? Yeah. I think we should uh, start rifling these out. Do you think if Sweeney contract was going to be renewed, it would have happened already? If we are eliminated in the first round, is it time for a change in the managerial leadership? We talked about this in the Black and Gold Hockey podcast this week, actually, mm-hmm. Nicholas. And um, I, I actually said that I, I would like to see it moved on if things, if expectations aren't met. But the, uh, my two uh, fellow friends here on this panel uh, said that he will be returning. So might not be a, a pleasant thing for everybody to hear, but um, I'm, I'm also saying that he hasn't done a, an absolute terrible job. Um, I think everybody makes mistakes and I, and I, I kind of give everybody chances to, you know, you're a human, let's get back on the, on the track here and, and be successful. So I, I actually think that Don Sweeney hasn't done such a bad job as he's gotten more t- involved in his tenure um mm-hmm. and i'm probably gonna get killed for that but i don't care <laughs> that's all right we'll bury you in the backyard too next to shore <laughs> or next to Eddie shore <laughs> next to Eddie shore yeah let me answer it like this kevin's gonna hate me for this <laughs> i don't know how i want to say okay you have to define what is a successful season. And for most fans, it's the Stanley Cup. NHL teams don't think that way because they build towards something. 32 teams cannot win the Stanley Cup. So where do you fit in that? Is it a 100-point season? Is it a 110-point season? Is it just missing the playoffs? Is it just getting in? Um, so... It isn't the, a, a, a successful season in terms of management and the way teams think is not a Stanley Cup, although that's the way fans think. Um, for example, uh, let, let me use the Minnesota Wild. Will they count this as a successful season after everything they went through last offseason with the buyouts of Suter and um, what's his name? Um, uh, Parise, Parise, um, is Montreal considering this as a, a successful season after, um, what they were going to the Stanley Cup final last season? No, that's why the GM and the coach have been fired there. So the Bruins internally have what they deem as a successful season, and unfortunately, I hate to say this, it's not the Stanley Cup. They have somewhere in between there as what they deem as a successful season. And Cam Neely said they will do a full evaluation in the offseason. And when he says that, I believe him at this point. Now, I don't know what they would deem successful. Uh, only they know internally. So we'll we'll find out in the offseason. Yeah. And, and when it comes to Sweeney and um... – you know, whether or not he's going to stay or go. One of the biggest things you need to look at is, I mean, we just got like, like Mark said, we discussed it on, on the podcast. When it comes down to um, a successful, you know, being successful enough, Sweeney to continue on for this uh, organization, we got to look at what he does at the deadline. And that doesn't mean like, Oh, did he go out and get the best pieces and give this team the best chance of winning a cup? It means, right. did he, 
did he have a good deadline in terms of what was necessary for where the team is currently at? So did he not go out and ruin the team's future by getting a bunch of pieces that really isn't going to help? Or did he get the pieces needed to help this team? It really depends on where they're at. But So it all depends on that. And then another thing that I had mentioned on the podcast is this upcoming draft is going to be very important. And yeah. do you want to be bringing in? One. Yeah. Do you want to be bringing in a guy who doesn't know the scouts, doesn't know exactly what's going on, hasn't been here? Um, I think that's going to be a big deciding factor because um, his last draft was good. And that was in a COVID year where yeah. you had a lot of things going on that weren't, you people they weren't really sure on this one. They had plenty of time to check these guys out. And um, I, I think Don Sweeney's going to have another good draft. I think he'll be here for it. And um, we'll just have to see. I will. I just want to, I will say that even though it was a pandemic time and so on, and it was a su- successful draft and everything, what is so important is, is the community, the hockey community out there crossing over the borders because you know how the Boston Bruins can't go over and, and you know, see these players. They were actively, you know, hiring people that were in the areas of players they want to look at, you know, at the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, the Ontario Hockey League, and the Dub. Obviously, we've had conversations of Scott Bradley being out there, um, assistant to the GM, and uh, the communications um, that go on between him and, and uh, the Vancouver Giants. But, you know, it's just a great outreach to, to find out what your thoughts on a certain player and so on. And, and that, I think that's what was one of the things that made last year's draft a, a success was, the, was the, the members that were involved just from not being a part of the organization as a paid employee. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yep. So. <clears throat> All right. Should we move on? Yeah, I I do want to give a shout out to Al, my friend Albine Carlson, and he's tuning in from Sweden, and that's that that's awesome, man. Albine, great to uh, see you on the live stream. Hopefully everything is well. Um, and he says, I uh, would love to see Max uh, Comtois on the Bruins. Maybe not a win now move, but would be would like it long term. Uh, what are your thoughts on uh, Maxime Comtois? Hmm. Oh, Don, what do you got? Uh, Long term, yeah, but if if it it has to be a hockey trade, and I I don't know how you make it at this point. He's not moving the needle this year. Um, you know, it. I I don't think if anything were to happen, it would happen at this trade di- deadline. It would be more of. Uh, before the draft type deal. Um, uh, I mean, sure, why not? I, I'm not giving up a first-round pick for him. Yeah, that's true. <clears throat> um, going back here, uh, Clovis Roy um, was wondering if the Habs um, could be a trade partner with the Bruins. Yes, um, but for me, I mean, I don't want Sherratt. I, I don't think no, it's going to be worth the price. I, I don't, the, the guy who I would have wanted is gone and that's Tyler Toffoli. Um, so who, who, who do you think 
could possibly come out of there then if you think there could be a possible uh, partner there for a trade? Oh, I don't know who could come out of there. It's just, uh, I think, I think that uh, with Jeff Gordon there uh, <laughs> as, as president and um, Berkey's former agent. Oh, uh, oh as, yeah, yeah, yeah. As, I, as I know what you're talking about. There, yes. There's a, a relationship. Hughes. Hughes. Yeah, Hughes. There's a relationship between them and, and Don Sweeney <clears throat> and Cam Neely. Uh, that goes back a long time. So I, I don't think the hated uh, Montreal-Boston rivalry is at the point where they hate each other enough that they wouldn't make a deal. <clears throat> I didn't say there was a deal to be made. Right. But I, I think that those days of the two teams not trading with each other are gone under present management. Okay. Um, And I mean, it's like now. All right, so let's 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 say they became trade partners for this season. Is there anyone on that team still that you look at and you'd say to yourself, "I'd make a deal for him"? Because I don't. We I mean, do defense, and, I'm and, like, and yeah, and we're talking about realistic pieces here too. I'm not obviously. I'd love a Nick Suzuki. Or you know, like uh, you know, a player of that caliber, or a Caulfield, um, but we're talking about realistic people who would be available. Jeez, I mean, would no. you take a chance on uh, on on uh, Drewin? No, I wouldn't. Is he available? Um, no, probably not. But Kevin, everybody has a price. They would trade Suzuki for the right price. They were going to do a Freichel, weren't they? Or was that? Oh no, yeah. were they? Yeah. No, no. Yeah, I was. But, I didn't think it was him. But the the question is, would would you be willing to pay the price? It's just, I don't know. There, I would love the Suzuki, but like you, I don't see it as a realistic option. I don't see anybody on that on that team now. If they went out and got a legit number one right wing to play on the top line, I would consider Sherratt, but I'm not paying a first for him. Uh, if I were Donnie, I'd say, Jeff, go pound salt, you know. Uh, I look, look at what I gave you for in the Rick Nash deal, deal. payback time, right? Mm. Just, I, I don't know. I, I don't think anybody there interests me. Yeah. I was thinking defense. I mean, you could look at Jeff Petrie and so on and uh, Ben Sherratt, but I don't think those are needle movers on this. No. On this win now kind of theory that we're all on, I just think that that is more or less um, lateral movements. It absolutely is. I mean, I look at Sherratt as a forward type of player. Yeah, that's a great comparison, actually. Really good comparison. And you know, unless you unless you're giving them to me for a third or a fourth round pick, a a micro, I don't want them all set. But you know what? I, don't be shocked if somebody pays the first for it. They will, Dom. They oh, yeah. Will. Oh, yeah. All it's going to take is one injury. And this, this, I mean, you could say the same thing about Jake DeBrusque. All it's going to take is one injury in the next three weeks around the league that's going to knock somebody out for a month where a GM is going to turn around and say, okay, we need to bite the bullet. We need to pay the price for Sherratt. Or, okay, we need to bite the bullet. We need to pay the price for Jake DeBrusque. 
Uh, I think the team. The, go ahead. Sorry, I, I thought no, you were finished. Go ahead. I, that that that's where we're at at this point. Yeah, um, I, I think the team that you could see do it for Sherratt is a is a team like Toronto. I mean, they no. just lost Muzzin. Exactly. Um, I think they would be the ones to do that. And then for DeBrusque, I mean, I think if there was an, an, an injury in the New York Rangers room, I think they'd be the ones to pick up the phone and say, what can we do here? And I, I think that's where you can maybe see something like a, a Heedle going back to the Bruins if they got that desperate. Because I think that I think Don wants something back in you know, that's valuable. I mean, and even with with how DeBrusque is playing lately, I mean, that could at least help a little bit. But, I mean, it, I think there'd have to be an injury there in um, in New York for yeah. that to happen. Um, yeah. I mean, we'll see what's going to happen there. I mean, and if, um, if um, Don doesn't get a deal that he thinks is going to help this team right now, you're not going to see him move yet. You know, it's going to no, be an offseason thing. And- and I said it today. I said best movie made was to hold off, and and because, um, let's put it this way: if Florida makes a move and loads up, guaranteed that that uh, Tampa will, and Toronto will, and Carolina will, and the Rangers will. Any one of those, any one of those teams makes a move, the other one's going shopping. Yep, and and another thing you got to remember too is the Carolinas. And the Tampas, and you could even throw Florida in there. They already have the things. Like, they have the team in place that if the Bruins were to add, they'd be able to get to that level. Mm -hmm. But you're going to have those teams, like the Carolinas and the Floridas and the Tampas, adding on to that. So you're really just chasing them. Even at the deadline, you're chasing them. Oh, yeah. Anybody see uh, Brendan Hagel's game last last night? No, no, that was awesome. Hat trick, and uh, just a physical player. Like I, I, I see him as a Boston Bruins player sometime soon. Just uh, Jason's got a question here. I'd like to touch upon real quick. Um, is, is it a Sweeney one? Yeah. <clears throat> oh, um, yeah. Yeah. If Sweeney goes, does Cassidy go with him? Usually new GM would want to pick the coach. I think you'd see Cassidy go before you see Sweeney go. Um, yep. And that's I kind of the, believe that too. That's just the way that it – that's just the way the scapegoat usually happens. Um, um, I don't know about that because um, Sweeney's contract expires at the end of the season. Cassidy's got another year. So um, – Unless the Bruins fall off a cliff and miss the playoffs, um, well, even then, Sweden is a lame duck. They're not going to allow him to fire. First of all, he can't fire him without permission from uh, Cam Neely, who has to go to Charlie and say, "Are we going to pay this guy's salary for another year?" Um, to to are, to get rid of him? Are we paying two guys? Uh, so it's not a Sweeney decision. No. Um, I, I think they'll reevaluate and, and, you know, if Sweeney's extended, then they'll evaluate the coaching staff, but I don't, I don't think they're going to evaluate the coaching staff before they evaluate, uh, the GM, because let's say they want to bring in a new GM and, uh, they let go of Cassidy at the same time. And then the new GM comes in and says, 
oh, I want Cassidy back. Mm -hmm. Like, if if Cassidy is fired, I know he gets blamed for a lot of crap uh, from Bruins fans, but if Cassidy were to be fired today, he wouldn't be out of a job for long. No, absolutely. The guy right. is an NHL caliber coach. Uh, no, no matter how many rumors are spread about him all over the place, he is an NHL caliber coach and a damn good one. Look at his his winning percentage. Yeah, compare it around the league. He actually has had to coach this year, uh, opposed to previous years. I mean, of course, he had to coach those years, but I mean, he's had to make a lot of adjustments this year, and yeah. he's made a pretty damn good one. And um, I, I don't think Cassidy should go anywhere. Um, I, I think that they should continue on with him. And I think they should continue on with Sweeney for now, too. I mean, now if, if, you know, if we run into issues, I mean, yeah, it's going to be evaluated. But we're just going to have to see what happens. Yeah. You know, what's, you know, what's funny is um, Jay Leach is only out on, in Seattle for a year. So with Dom's um, mention of – of of um Bruce Cassidy around for one more full season. That kind of throws my theory out there that of that of the um Jay Leach return to the Boston Bruins organization, uh, regardless of level. But that also doesn't throw out the window that if Joe Sacco moves on, that that well, could also you know agree, be a possibility. Leach was here as an assistant coach. He's in Seattle as an associate coach. Comes with different responsibilities, different pay scales, um, you know. And it's a fast track to an NHL job. Um, okay. He 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 wasn't he wasn't getting that in Boston. Gotcha. If, if they were to move on from the GM and move on from the coach, I want people from outside of the organization. Coming in. I know, I know Cassidy. Mark has alluded to that plenty of I'm times. Totally. Too. I'm totally, I'm rolling double dice. Yeah. You know what? If they get rid of both of them, they might as well clean right out and get rid of Neely too. Yeah. Go out and get, go out and get Dean Lombardi and Mike Fuda. <laughs> Just a brand new, fresh look for the team. Outside, um, outside the organization. Yeah, because exactly. Yeah, no more old Bruins. You know, no more hiring within all that. You know, bring in a fresh look. Right, because when 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 Neely got rid of Shirelli and did that extensive um, uh, search for a new G GM, here's how it went. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, uh, Donnie, it's me, Cam. Open up. Clip this. Yeah, you got the GM job. <laughs> I love it. That's how it went. I am so, so clipping that. You have to. Yeah, Tom's so, a comedian. Yeah. You, you got a comedian. If you're going to clean house, clean house. It, there's, it, it just doesn't make sense to get rid of them and keep Neely around. And I get it. Like Cam Neely is one of my favorite players. And, you know, if I ever have anything bad to say about Cam Neely, everybody jumps on me. But you know what? He was my favorite player, too. He's not my favorite executive. Some different things. Right. Absolutely. Somebody somebody who who um, tried to get on to ask us a question, sent me a message and said, hey, Dom, just in case I can't make it, can you answer this? And uh, he wanted to know who the best executive in the NHL is. I saw I'll answer that now. Stevie Y, and it's not even close. Yeah, absolutely. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nope, not even close. Yeah, that's uh yeah. Pretty much like built the the the, the um the, the the Tampa Bay Lightning to where they were getting their two cups in a row, but before that walking away to take the uh the job in Detroit, you know, it's it's not hard to figure out what type of player or what type of character that he gravitates to um, when he's trying to build for the future and so on. So I, I give exactly. that guy, I give that guy so many kudos. Like he, he does it so quietly. That's what I love about him. It's just, yeah. you know, but he's also like very Don Sweeney ish that he doesn't give anything away for anybody to throw out there. You know, he's very tight lipped and so on. You know, you got to get close to the organization to find out some of the truths about what goes on in the inner working sometimes. But he's not going to give you anything. And and certainly, um, uh, uh, you know, a, a GM like Stevie Y is not going to give you anything either. And look no. what he's already done yeah. with the Red Wings. Yeah. I mean, remember yeah, the crap he took when he when he drafted Cider uh, a, a couple of years ago? Everybody's like, what? You're drafting yeah. this guy now? And now he's a. a He's in the conversation as rookie of the year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He, I mean, he got, uh, he's got them sitting at fifty-two points right now. I mean, that is a lot better than where they were this time last year. That's for damn yeah. sure. And I think that Nadelkovich move was pure genius. I mean, yep. the, I don't know. Well, how... it's stupid on 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 Carolina. Exactly. I was just about to say it. I don't know how I mean, Carolina seriously, three million dollars. You couldn't come up with that. I know, it's, and let him walk. It makes no yeah. sense. Well, traded him tactically, but it yeah. makes no sense. It, it, and the trade itself, too, I was like, "What? Wow! Yeah, what the yeah. hell?" <laughs> I always liked like Nadelkovich when he was uh, playing with Plymouth uh, Whalers in the yeah, OHL. Yeah, that's right. That's right. The old Plymouth team. Him and Thatcher Demko went to in the off season, trained with the same goaltending coach. Um, his name escapes me now. I've talked to him several times that that summer about the draft, and he would say, hey, Don, which one do you like better, Thatcher, Thatcher or, or Alex? And it's like, well, I don't know. You coach them, man. You tell me. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. They're both pretty darn good. So. Yeah, when you when you teach freaking techniques, you stay out of the politics. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So it's like, uh, yeah, they, they had the, uh, the same goaltending coach for years in the summertime they went to the same school i had the pleasure of watching nadelki um uh with the Charlotte checkers winning a um call the cup uh with uh, current uh, providence bruins captain uh, josiah didier um yeah and uh yeah i thought he was an amazing goaltender always came up up to providence played really well um and yeah what a what a what a trade that was that was the definite head shaker of the year to be honest with you but but kudos to a guy like Stevie Wyatt just to put the bread trail together to make that happen. Basically, a, 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 a sneakingly um, good freaking trade. Oh, a signing, signing, signing. Sorry. Yeah. Um, uh, shooter McGavin's asking, can we dump Felino to Arizona? I want to answer this question in two parts. One, no. Two, the biggest no. re- the reason for that. Well, two, no, but the reason for it is because one, he's got a no movement clause. I'm pretty sure this season. So yeah. I don't think he could just be dumped there. Second, if you were to do something like that, 
you are that's a huge slap in the face to Patrice Bergeron, who helped get him in. And it's also just telling other free agents out there, do not come to Boston. Yep. Yeah. Not to also. mention it is like people want to dump Felino for the cap space. Okay. Okay. So now you've just moved $3.8 million cap space. You got now $10 million in deadline cap space. You're in the same position. What are you going to do? What's the point of moving cap space if you're not going to use it? Right. And that's what everybody's like, move Felino. We need the cap space. No, you don't need the cap space. You've got more than you've got more cap space in every other playoff team except Nashville and New York. Hmm. Yeah. Far better position than ever, than every other playoff team except those two. What are you yeah. doing with the cap space? Tell yeah. me. Some, so why move somebody for cap space? Right. And and shooter, it's not it's not about it's not really about his play. It, it's about he just moved his family here, and like John here is you know saying as well. His well, I don't think he I don't think his daughter needs the special attention at Boston's anymore. I think that was something that had already happened, and it was just a reason why he decided to sign here. Um, but yeah, right. But but still, he you know he he brings his family here. He's been here for less than a year. I mean, it's it's more than just you got to think of it on a human aspect as well. I mean, these guys they're human beings, and you know you you sign somebody like you know with a family, a guy like we're not talking about a a twenty three twenty four year old kid who's about to have the time of his life go bouncing around from city to city or team to team, you know, or something like that. And, you know, it's it, this guy's got a family. He just moved him here. It's just one of those things that you have to look at and add into the equation. But you're going to want to, you're going to want Nick Felino here when it comes playoff time, if you really want to actually push hard, um, you know, not only for the way that he's able to carry himself in a locker room and on the ice, um, but he's going to bring some physicality too. Um, it's just, um, He's one of those players you're going to want to have. And even if he's on your fourth line at $3.8 million, there's no cap hit in the playoffs. There's none of that. Um, he's going to be kind of one of those guys that you um, that you want to see on your team, even if it's just your fourth line. I'm glad you said that, Kevin, because we mentioned it in, uh, last Tuesday as well, the podcast. They didn't bring Felino here for the regular season. I'm they brought him here for the playoffs. Exactly that, you know, um, you know, and you know, shooter to, to your point there, put him on the ninth floor. You will see him on the ninth floor at times. You absolutely yep. will. Cause absolutely. he, he needs to be able to, um, you know, rest up and be okay to, you know, actually be healthy for that long playoff run. Cause you know, as we know, I mean, he's not the oldest guy, um, you know, in terms of actual real life, but when it comes to hockey, yeah, he's, he's a, he's getting there as an older guy. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, he's one of those players you're definitely going to want to have. I mean, and in the meantime, you know, giving guys like bleed some games uh, who, I mean, I would love to just give games all the time. He's been fantastic for this team. And I think next year, that's, I think next year you will see a lot of bleed. Um, I do. I mean, it, it's, it's such a good problem to have. Think about the teams that have won. Well, let's just talk about Tampa because they've won the past two. The depth that team had, was ridiculous. I mean, having a guy like Bleed as your 13th forward, I think is fantastic. Yep. I mean, that guy should be a regular in an NHL lineup, and he's your 13th forward. 
that's great. I mean, it's a huge step up from what it was before. Cool him in. And, you know, and I don't hate Kuhlman. I think he's got a lot of speed, and I think he's got a really nice shot, but he just can't seem to put it together fully in the NHL. Um, but you are you have a lot more depth to look at here. That's a really good thing to have, especially if Foligno goes down in the playoffs. Now you bring in Bleed. He's a bigger kid. He can, you know, get some offense, and he's already meshed very well with Thomas Nosek and, um, and uh, Curtis Lazar. Yeah, yeah, you nailed it right on the head there. Kevin? All right, I'm back. <laughs> Sometimes this young guy can talk hockey. Yeah, that's right. That's why we got everybody together like this. If, if but, you came to watch a young guy, an old guy, and an older guy <laughs> talk hockey, you came to the right place. That's pretty funny. We got we got layers here. We yeah, like just, just like Bruins. When they're trying to yeah. search for layers of scoring, we got layers on the uh, the old podcast and, and Bruins content train. So <laughs> fully facilitated, facilitated at all levels. Sorry yeah, for we, the chirps, Dom. Sometimes I, I think was, I'm still on the ice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, get you on the ice and put you through the boards. <laughs> <laughs> yes. give, me a nice, give me a nice Lucic special through the glass. Yeah. Yeah. Oh Jesus! That that's the hit that knocked out Mike Van Ryan's freaking career. Yeah. I'll never forget that hit. Oh, Although I've too. over the years I've seen a few of them like that. So. Yeah. You know uh, the game the, the the first hockey game that really really drew me to hockey was uh, you you guys probably don't even recognize the name of the arena it was the old detroit olympia oh i do okay like just by history talking, just by history we're, we're talking way before joe lewis oh yeah yeah just by history and we're sitting front row seats in the corner and here comes gordy howe i forget who they were i think they were playing the leafs yes they were playing the leafs Elbow flying right, knocked the guy's head right into the glass. And it's like, Dad, Dad, I want more. I want more. <laughs> that's awesome. I was probably six or seven years old at the time, and that's when I first fell in love with the with the with the game. It's like <laughs> there so, it is. Don, Don, let me ask you something because you've, you you know you live in Southern Ontario, and a kid that grew up loving hockey. Was it as hard back then to get tickets? Was the, was the, was the, oh no, no, it was easier. Yeah. My, I've been to every original six hockey arena. No kidding. Like the original arenas. I've been to the old forum, the old Maple Leaf gardens, uh, the the old Madison square gardens, the old Boston garden, uh, the Detroit Olympia been, been to them all. And I was three. The Before, reason why I was asked, oh, sorry. I was under 10 years old and I had visited every one of them. That's awesome. Once. The, the, the reason why I was asking is because a lot of Maple Leafs fans today and not, you know, within the 10 years, it, it, you know, t- season tickets were like a 15 year waiting list, basically. Go to Detroit. Because it's it's close by yeah. and so on, you know, to get their hockey fix on because the tickets are that much more available when the Toronto Maple Leafs go there. Yeah, so I kind of thought that that might have been the uh, an idea, but no, no, Toronto became all corporate. I, I'll tell you, you know how I used to get Leaf tickets. I used to own my own business, 
and I used to be in the hotel restaurant business as well. And I used to go to either my Molson rep or my Coca-Cola rep and say, Hey, give me tickets for the Leafs brew and Saturday night. Oh yeah. Yeah. Come back, hand me two tickets and be up in their skybox watching. Oh, that's, that's how awesome. I had to get tickets It's just through connections. That's awesome. You, you weren't by now I could buy tickets to Ottawa. Uh, what was it? Two years ago or three years ago, my son had got, Three years ago, my son had got us tickets. It was New Year's Eve or the day before New Year's Eve in Ottawa and said, Dad, I got us uh, two tickets to go see the Bruins. Six-hour drive, five-hour drive, whatever it was, and in the winter, driving to Ottawa, just him and me, father-son bonding, going to Ottawa. And uh, he says, Dad, we got to wear our Bruins jersey. I said, no, no, not in Ottawa. And uh, he said, yeah, yeah. I said, well, you go ahead. You're like three times bigger than me. You wear your Bruins jersey. I'm not. And I left it in the car. He walks in. Everybody was great to us. They were, hey, yeah, you're a Bruins fan. And they stand and talk to us for for a long time. That's awesome. First time in Ottawa for a, for a hockey game. But you, I check online. You get tickets there all the time. That's awesome. And then Dom rips his shirt off and he's just painted black and gold. He's like, yeah, I'm a Bruins fan. <laughs> show them, Psych! Show, show them the tattoos I wouldn't show you. <laughs> what, what do you awesome. think, guys? One last question here from Jason. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, this is a really interesting one right here. Do you guys see Lazar coming back next year or do you think he prices himself out? I don't think he prices himself out, but I don't think he comes back either. No, I don't think so either. I think that uh, players like Oscar Steen are really going to be pushing him out. And I think that the Boston Bruins organization should really consider not pushing Steen to a point where we need to get or players to a point that we need to get and go out and get these veterans to, to, to move their needle, the younger players needle. Just give them the opportunity. Make, make them welcome like next year. Oscar Steen should pretty much not even try for a roster spot. Let's just give it to him. I know it doesn't work like that, mm-hmm. but just give it to him and see how he reacts from that and builds on that. And not just somebody that comes in every year thinking that, oh, if I don't make it, I'm going back to the AHL. But, yep. you know, it's just I, I'm so tired of the. I know that teams need veteran leadership and so on. I totally get it. We've seen it in the past with Stanley Cup championships and so on. But I believe this Boston Bruins regime right now needs to have better trust in the younger players. Obviously, draft a little better. It has gotten better. You have to admit, get 2015 on your freaking edge, folks. But move to the fo- moving forward, what we're doing is good to rebuild this organization, regardless if it's a reach here and a reach there. Uh, so I, I, I kind of feel that we're going to be okay. Your fourth line next season should be bleed, no second steam. That should 100% be your fourth line. And I think Stunnik is probably going to be a trade guy. I really do. I don't see him push. I don't see him taking Coil away from that third that third spot. I don't see them trading Coil or being able to really move him if they wanted to. I mean, maybe if they wanted to, but I don't. I don't like 
our chances on winning a deal involving that. No, um, sorry. I, I just, I, I think that uh, that fourth line next year would be really good for this team because you're giving a guy like Bledenstein, who obviously earned an NHL spot this year. You're showing, you're showing prospects. You're showing people who come in here, younger kids. Hey, you can push and deserve a spot here, and we'll we'll reward you. I think that's yeah. really important. Hey, Brett Howard comes in with another question. Is uh, Steen ELC still next year? No, he's no. on his last year. He was drafted in 2016, playing over in Europe for a couple of years. So he had basically a contract slide until he came to the uh, uh, NHL, uh, the American Hockey League, not too long ago. So that's it for him. But I'm, I'm pretty sure that the way he's been playing and been a good soldier uh, for, at the NHL and AHL level, that they'll give him a, a really good look at, um, you know, retaining him for longer services. And, and obviously he's a younger player that deserves it over a, a veteran that comes in. Like, I'm so sick and tired of, of Don and the Bruins, like the Brett Ritchies and the Nick Ritchies and this and that when we're just basically blocking – our um our youth core from uh, you know gaining access to securing a, a um a spot. You know, he quickly because I know Don wants to say something here. They they did Brett they did Brett and Nick Ritchie. They did the two brothers there, but the two brothers they should have done was Hayes and Kevin Hayes. Those there are the two go. brothers they should yeah. have done. What you you weren't feeling it for Dougie Hamilton and 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 uh, his brother Freddie? Uh, Freddie? Yeah. <laughs> screw screw Freddie. <laughs> I would take Hamilton back. I'm not one of them fans who are like, oh, you didn't want to be here. You know, I'm not I one know, of them fans. So. I know you've got to fly, but I have to tell you the story between Dougie Hamilton and Freddie Hamilton real quick. Okay. The day, the day the Bruins drafted Dougie Hamilton, I said he will never sign a second contract with the Boston Bruins. Okay? So – the year after the draft, they, they played uh, for the Niagara Ice Dogs along with, uh, with Ryan Strom. And uh, at one point, there was a, a, a tussle in the dressing room involving the two brothers where it almost turned into fisticuffs. And you can make out which brother is which. Uh, one brother said to the other, Hey, I was a first round draft pick. What were you when the yeah. two co-captains had to step in and break it all out? In comes uh, Marty Williamson, who was the co GM and coach at the time. And it's like, what's going on? And this was all behind closed doors. It was one of the co-captains that gave me the story. Uh, and they tried to trade him at that point. They had a deal worked out with Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds and it fell apart last minute. So, um, wow. I knew then his attitude and character was something that, uh, was not gonna, gonna mesh in Boston. Interesting. interesting. Yep. Very interesting. Dom always him, comes through with the good stories. That's why we call him the man of the people right there. Oh, I love it. <laughs> uh, I, I actually, if you guys don't have to go, I don't have to leave. I'd like to get out of here by 630 so I can get ready for the Providence Bruins game. Yep, that's fine. Because they are on the road against the Hartford Wolfpack in Hartford, Connecticut at the XL Center tonight. Going for f- five games in a row. Five. Five wins in a row. 
They have a four uh, home game winning streak and they march their way up to the second spot in the Atlantic division, right behind uh, eight, seven to eight points. Amesbury math. Remember that um, uh, behind these um, the Springfield Thunderbirds. So Providence is really playing well. They're hitting a real good stride right now and a great time to, uh, to start climbing the, uh, the roster. I mean, the, the, uh, the standings uh, to get ready for the playoff um, called the cup playoffs because you know, this this team might not scream anything on Corey Promen's ra- uh, rankings, but the way that this club is orchestrated by Ryan Mouchanel and Trent Woodfield and Matt Thomas, it's uh, it's going to be fun to watch. So if you have the means and availability, definitely go and get an AHL TV package. It's cheap money right now. They have prorated freaking um, rates right now. So you want to see tomorrow's stars today of this Boston Bruins organization, you got to invest a little bit of money, you know. So, yeah, Dom told me before the show that he was gonna buy me AHL TV. Thank you, Dom. I appreciate right, that. You're welcome, buddy. You're welcome. All right, then fine. Then I'm buying you CHL TV. <laughs> just fucking around. <laughs> if we are going to 6:30, though, I need to use the bathroom again. I've been yeah, down go ahead. Waters. Go ahead. I've been Absolutely. literally downing what? waters. Like tie a knot in it. <laughs> rub some dirt on it <laughs> one of them phrases on oh, Jesus that's too much i'll be right um back. any more questions from the uh the guests uh, that are sitting in the chat please ask away we'd love to hear it i know we still have a bunch of people here which is kind of cool how is the camera on ahl tv shooter mcgavin asked it's not great but I will tell you that I, even for an old guy that needs glasses, I can see the numbers. I can see the play happening and so on. So, it, and it's really not an investment because I own a sports media company. So I write everything off. I spend over. Actually, I said I said to Dom and and um, and Kevin that I spent about a thousand dollars in streaming packages just for hockey. I did the math, and that was way off. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say I'd like to know how you're doing it for a thousand. Yeah, no, no. I mean, just the AHL, just the hockey TV is like thirty dollars a month. So yeah. I was just like, wow. Yeah, I, I spent way more than that. Throwing in European league league games, and I'm paying more than a thousand a month or a year, and I think, man, I want Mark's deal. Yeah, you know what's funny is I I, I do kind of watch. Not a lot. I'm not going to say I, I watch a lot, but a lot of European games, it's tough for me. How do you do it? I mean, because the only time I can pay attention is I can't read the numbers because the jerseys have so many freaking ads on them. It's so tough. But, like, do you hear names and that's yeah. when you kind of pick yeah. your head up and pay attention? Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Now, I'll, I'll have a couple. I'm like you. I'll have a couple of screens going, but – I hate doing that when I know it's a Bruins prospect I'm watching. So I like to just have it on one screen. And uh, yeah, you catch the name. You know, first of all, you got to learn the, the European pronunciations because most people look at Yelbik and they think Jelbik, right? And yep. if you're sitting there listening for that, you're going to miss it because you ain't going to hear it. Yep. Uh, but then you get to know the numbers and then, you know, if you're doing it, if I'm doing it on the laptop, I can focus in closer. So you get to see the numbers uh, okay. a little, a little bit better. But uh, 
Yeah, they, you know, if you if you can get through the the play by play not being in English, it's great because there's some some really really good hockey. Yeah, you know, I um I uh when I need the pr- pronunciations, I'm so glad I pay my nine dollars for EliteProspects.com to be a premium <laughs> member because they have yeah. that they have that tab for a lot of euro, euros that you can hit and you can hear the pronunciation from somebody. Yeah that's from that country saying it so and they used uh, to do that for free yeah i know they did yeah. i know they did it's uh yeah. but i i tell you yeah I, I mean and you, for for those of you that don't know the prospects like yelvik i've been really high on since well i'll be honest when they first draft drafted him i thought okay this is another pj axelson special you know it's like no big deal but after a couple of weeks of watching him, you see that this kid is talented. Yep. Now, I, I know Mark and I are both looking forward to him uh, coming to North America next year and, and going to Boston College. And uh, yeah, Boston College, right? Yep. Yeah. That's right, Bob. Um, and uh, looking forward to it. But then I look at a guy like uh, Matthias Mantikivi in, in uh, Finnish Liga. Uh, who's really having a fantastic season. And the Bruins have got to be high on this kid. Um, you know, these are guys later that they're finding later in the draft um, that that are finding success. Um, even, let me get my list up here. Even looking at the, the guys that they've already drafted. Um, I, I mean, we mentioned Mason Lorai earlier everybody was oh yeah but look how old he is playing in the ushl well how about his first year in the ncaa how well he's done oh, unbelievable uh, year with ohio yeah, state so far uh, trevin trevor kuntar was great at development camp yep. had a great year uh Probably. jack becker he's in his fifth season now he's, he's arizona uh, state yeah his last game i believe was next weekend Bruins need to make a decision on him. They have till August 15th to sign him. Um, Ty Gallagher. Who would have thought Ty Gallagher, where did he get him? Sixth round? Seventh round? Yeah, it was late. Was Ryan Mast a sixth round guy? Mast was the sixth round. Gallagher was seventh. Who would have thought he'd be in his first year at Boston University Four four goals, ten assists, fourteen points in twenty nine games, and a bean pot championship, and a bean pot championship. <laughs> uh, you know, Mason Langenbrunner. Here, here's a guy we thought, okay, the Bruins drafted him because he's Jamie big. Langenbrunner's son, and he's big. Yeah, big, big size. He can skate, but again, you know. Uh, Fargo wasn't a great USHL team. Trust me, they're not very good. But it's got, what is it, two goals, 13 assists, 15 points in 42 games. But he's a plus player on a minus team. Yep. That's when that stat matters. Yep. That's when that stat matters. When you're the only plus player or one of two plus players on a team that's a minus, I don't have it in front of me, but they're a minus 20-something on the season. Yeah. Like Kevin yeah. said, that's when that stat matters. People dismiss plus and minus, but it does tell a story if 
you're willing to use the context. Right. Yep. So we'll get a number and be like as a downfall. Yeah. It's you know, like you get, watch the games about, and see how it all all pans out. Right. But it's like we were saying earlier, you know, the 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 Bruins are doing very well in the middle six bottom part of the roster. And they have Pasternak locked up. They need to they need to fix that top. And when you've been so good for so long and you're trading assets to go for that cup because you're so good, you don't get the opportunity to fill that in. That's true. So, you know, they should not be going through a rebuild. Um, and somebody mentioned earlier, where is this talk? When we, I talked about it earlier about uh, a retool because they're not seeing it. Well, go what? You know what? Go on any Boston Bruin message board and see it because I visit them. It's there. <laughs> that was good, Mark. Oh, I didn't mute that? <laughs> no. That was a good one. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I thought I hit. Can, you, like, hear, I can you hear me now? I was thinking. What's that? Uh, can you hear me? Yeah. 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 I like oh, how he no. blew it to the side too. Like he didn't want to blow it in our faces. Yeah. yeah I didn't. Oh no. I'm. I might not be on my mic, but I might be on my laptop. <laughs> oh boy. Sorry, was, guys. My that apologies. Was, that was, Normally, that was I hit the mic for that. I I wanted to bust out laughing and say. Jesus! Did you guys hear that ripping fight I did like 45 minutes ago? No. No. Oh, see the mic fucking worked then. <laughs> Jesus. I, got leather, would, I got leather seats back here. You guys would have heard that. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. No, that that uh that burp would have went top ten in a draft, I'll tell you that. Yeah, that was good. Uh, the, I oh, think top five. It made me feel better for embarrassing the shit out of myself, yep. asshole. <laughs> I go to the bathroom to do that stuff. <laughs> well, I've had a couple seltzers, so I'll shut your face. Sitting there, you know, setting up an orchestra. Oh, boy. All right, boys. This was a ton of fun. Yeah, I'm going to end it now because I just got to get ready for the Providence game. Got to get some stats up and get ready to go for the road game in uh, Hartford, Connecticut against the Wolfpack. And hopefully with tonight's win, the Providence Bruins go into first place because they, if they win, they'll have a better winning percentage than um, the uh, uh, Springfield Thunderbirds. So, I uh, got to get ready for that and just watch that game. And obviously, Fabian LaSalle and the WHL uh, Vancouver Giants are on tonight. And I'm sure there's an OHL game I'm going to should be paying attention to. Well, is that what, Dom, you're wa watching right now? Uh, no, I haven't got any on right now. I'm just okay. trying to think of which game am I going to watch. Tonight. Yeah, there you go. I got it's pizza. Like, I got pizza and treats and uh, a movie to watch with the ladies. So that's what yeah. I got. That's all. Awesome. I got pizza coming at ten o'clock for the game. Oh, nice. guys! I just got a message, so it might be important. Hold on. All right, I'm not going anywhere. Mark McDonald. Mark McDonald. What's up, man? This guy has the longest beard in in like human history. <laughs> human and history. He does. He's 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 won like absolute records for it. And I think he belongs to a beard group, which is really cool. And yeah. and he uh, is the uh, owner of or, or the uh, the main guy in the uh, Bruins for Life um, Facebook group, which has like 26,000 uh, members. So, Jesus. Yeah. And he's also a Patreon member. So shout out to him too. Hopefully he got that uh, the uh, the picture I sent. 
because the Canadian mail can be so weird sometimes. Oh, tell me about it. Yeah, have you gotten your mic yet, uh, Dom? No. I sent it like six months ago. Oh, well, geez. I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I got pictures of Kevin's tattoos. That was <laughs> nice. Oh, Mark, you didn't get it? Oh, shit. It got lost then. Yeah, well, Canadian I'll make mail. up for it. I'll make up for it. Since you've been a good Canadian guy, I'll send you an Eddie Johnston fuck. How's that? Oh, I got Jerry Cheever, so I might as well have Eddie Johnson, too. <laughs> Is it from 1970, 72? He did sign it, 70, 72, Stanley Cup. Awesome. Yeah. I got both goaltenders then. <laughs> Oh, no, I was talking about Mark, uh, the guy that... Oh, yeah, <laughs> not yeah. you, Dom. Yeah, sorry, Dom. <laughs> oh, jeez. Well, congratulations, Mark. <laughs> I love it. All right, boys. Um, I'm going to get ready to uh, to get down and dirty with uh, a bunch of freaking Bruins prospect games tonight, including the NHL. Um, Boston Bruins playing the San Jose Sharks, but Huge shout out to Kevin O'Keefe right here, my boy. Thank you so much for you know coaxing me uh, into doing this. Um, it was it was a and lot Dom. of fun. And Dom, yeah. And uh, shout out to my boy Dom down here. Thank you so much for joining us for the for the two and a half hours, and and really bringing a, a different element to these live streams because a lot of people don't know a lot of the inner workings of the Burns organization that you passionately um, you know learn to get involved in and, and pick the pieces and, and talk to people. So, you know, by, by joining us, you bring a different element to these live streams. So I, I really hope that we could do this more often. And man, I would love to talk to do this like weekly. This is like unbelievable content. So yeah. um, we'll talk about it, but yeah, I'll um, give it my best boys. Unfortunately, sometimes my schedule isn't the greatest and you know, March 1st, is three days away and it's back to full capacity in ohl arena so wow um yeah they're only at 50 percent right now and uh and the media is even less than that so march 1st we get to uh uh get back to full capacity and don't even have to show proof of vaccination anymore so uh um Next week, I hope to be in rinks a lot again. So, okay. well, 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 we'll figure out the time in a day. Like, yeah, we, we, Kevin and I pretty much have like a really decent open schedule because we, we kind of work like that. But if there's a time that that you know that you're gonna have a day off, let's set up a, a live stream again because this is a lot of fun. Okay. All right, and um, thank you, Dom. Thank you, uh, Kevin. And huge, huge shout out to all of the uh, participants that showed up online today, participated in the live uh, chat. And um, if you want to get involved in this next time, let me know, and I'll send you an invite to come on the panel and talk live with us, uh, like we do, uh, as you see right now. So uh, thank you, Mark McDonald. Thank you, Shooter McGavin, for coming in. Thank you, uh, everybody, Clovis Roy. Um, everybody. So, uh, with that being said, um, have a great Saturday night. Please be safe. Uh, let's go freaking Bruins, right? Yeah. They better win this one. They yeah. better win. Yeah. You and hear that, Balboni? 
Yeah, yeah, you hear that, Balboni? And they better not make me sweat it out. They better end it in the first period. <laughs> yeah. That's right, boys. All right, guys, thank you so much again. I truly appreciate it. And um, please uh, be safe, and uh, we'll talk soon. Take care. Peace out. Peace out. Peace out. Thanks again for tuning in and supporting this week's episode of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please give the show a five-star rating and write a review on listening platforms such as Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts. If you'd like to contact the show for advertising opportunities or to send us a question or topic idea we should be discussing, please send us an email to blackandgoldproductionsllc at gmail.com. Don't forget to share our program on your social media platforms with other hockey fans and follow our Twitter accounts at Black and Gold Pod, at BNG Productions, at Black and Gold 277, and at Kevin underscore O'Keefe 89. Also, please don't forget to check out our official blackandgoldhockey.com website where we cover the Bruins organization from the NHL level down to the prospects worldwide. Peace out. Peace out.